episode 256, Mitch Unfiltered, begins with a question. Okay. Not a stump the band question. So there's no prizes or No anything. prizes, okay, nothing right. that you have. I just want you to think about this for a half a second before you answer it. Okay. Is it possible that two of the best 10 college football teams in America reside in the state of Washington? Let me think about it. Huskies are pretty good. Uh, is Gonzaga's team good this year? <laughs> Pacific Lutheran University having a hell Come of a year. Now. Come on now. Yeah, it is possible. That's amazing. The Washington State Cougars yeah. have now beaten Wisconsin and Oregon State, and they may not be in the top 10 in the rankings. I'm not so sure that those two teams, Washington and Washington State, are two of the very best teams, 10 best teams in the nation in, one, in one spot in the final year of the Pac-12. As a lifelong Husky I don't fan, know. as a lifelong, I'm embarrassed to say I was rooting the Cougars on like they're my hometown team. Why are you embarrassed to say that? Well, because I shouldn't root for the Cougars. I'm yes, a Husky you should. fan. It was pretty awesome. Why though. you should root for Oregon State? Yes, you always root against the Cougars. Ah, ah, what do you got now? Ah, but I was rooting them on, man. I was excited. Every one-handed touchdowns and one-handed catches. It was and crazy. I was loving it. it I, I got to say, I was loving it. Good we for keep them. wondering about the Husky schedule. Right. They've only beat Boise. They've only beat Tulsa. They've only beat Michigan State. They've only beat Cal. In fact, Washington State's list of victims is far superior than Washington. But you watch Washington play. I know what you're going to say again week after week. (laughs) And you just wonder aloud, does it matter who they're playing? Now, they may lose. I'm not saying they're going to win every single game. But in terms of Penix and that offense... Does it matter who's on the other side or are they just going to score 40 every single game? And then if they give up more than they score, they lose. And if they don't, they win every game. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll see better athletes at some point with against Oregon, for instance. And Does it matter? It'll matter a little bit. They'll be better athletes. And USC will have better athletes. But yeah, they're, they're going to score their points. Guys they're are going to get open. They're going to see better athletes, but does it matter? It'll matter. There'll be a little tighter coverage. Will there be? There will be. Nonetheless, that offense is... By the way, did you love that it was 14 nothing and the offense hadn't touched the ball? <laughs> I was at this homecoming party against yeah. my will, and I'm sitting there, and some dad walks in, and he sees it's 14 nothing. He goes, oh, that Husky offense, they're unstoppable. <laughs> oh, they're just like, like... He wants to like be part of the conversation. Sir, he had no- sir excuse me. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me, sir. They haven't been on the field That's yet. That's right. He was just praising that so offense. They have, and I know we're starting the show before we start the show, but they... They have played four teams, and all four teams that they've beaten are now two and two as we sit here. Okay. Boise they beat, and Boise has only beaten North Dakota <laughs> and San Diego State. Okay. Tulsa they've beaten, and they've only beaten Tulsa has Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Northern Illinois. Well, Tulsa's got Larson, though. They've beaten Michigan State, but Michigan State's only beaten Richmond and Central Michigan and got blown out worse by Maryland than Washington blew them out at East Lansing this past weekend. Cal is victim number four, and the two teams that Cal has beaten, Idaho and North Texas State. So, Right. But 
I still, I watch Penix and I watch those receivers and I watch how open they are and I watch how easy it is. And now they've got a run game to go with it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, it could be Alabama. It could be Georgia. (laughs) They're going to get 40. Now they may give up 45 on the day that they get 40 and lose 45. They're going to get 40. And I'm waiting to see Utah's got a good defense. Yeah. Oregon had a good defense against Colorado this past weekend. I don't know. I don't know if that means that they've got a good defense. I don't know that anybody is holding Washington to less than 40. I think they're scoring 40 every single week. I won't be surprised if they score 40 every week. Every I, week. I won't, yeah. I, I, so I know we're getting ahead of ourselves here, yeah, but... We haven't started yet. One game at Arizona, and then a bye, or is it a bye? Then anyway, the Huskies no, have... it's Washington at Arizona. Yeah, then a bye. It's Oregon at lowly Stanford. Right. While Washington's playing at Arizona, yep, yep. then both, both teams have a buy. <laughs> and then I would think ESPN game I mean, come day. Come on. They're going to be like six and eight, right? Five think, and eight. Well, I'll be seven. I looked at the schedules. I don't, it, there'd have to be a lot of big upsets in the top eight or seven okay. for them to move up all that much. But it's going to be like seven versus teams. eight, eight versus nine, Forget six it. versus seven, something like that. Both coming off of a buy Crazy. here. On the 14th of October. I hate going to the desert as a Husky fan. I just hate that game. You think the Arizona game is going to screw them up? I just hate that game for some reason. I just hate going to the desert. But we hated the Cal game. Yeah, true. And right. we hated the fact that they were on grass against Michigan State because they can't win on grass and they're much slower. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, you could probably throw all of that shit out the window with this team, at least this offense. Yeah. I sat there last night for four hours, and it takes four hours to watch one of those effing games. <laughs> yeah. And I watched it, and I said to myself, they're scoring 40 on everybody. Yeah. You might be right. They're scoring 40 on everybody. Yeah. I'd love to see them play Georgia in the national championship. I guess Georgia would have the best defense in the country, or they normally have the best defense in the country. Yeah. I'd like to see somebody – Utah – I keep coming back to Utah because they always tell me that Utah's got the best defense traditionally in the Pac-12. Again, I'm not sitting here saying Washington's going to go unbeaten. I don't know whether they are or not. Washington State, Cam Ward is phenomenal. Awesome. He's phenomenal. Yep. USC is going to score points. I'm yeah. not saying Washington's going to win every game, but I just don't know who is going to slow Washington to under 40. I think they're scoring 40 every game. That would be impressive. Every game they're scoring over 40. Have they scored over 40 in every game? I hope (laughs) they have so far. In segment number one, I'm going to give you some stats. Well, you probably saw them on Twitter that are just... Right. So forget forget it. Forget the actual number. They're not even real. They're they're, they're not even... Like if you did this on a video game at the end, you would say... These aren't even video game numbers. Right. It's worse than video game <laughs> They're numbers. too gaudy for video The best game time numbers. of the year, become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. $5 a month. This coming week, we're going to have God knows how many shows, short shows for the patrons because we've got this Mariners stretch run. Yep. Don't oh, talk to me about the Mariners. Oh, they're still playing. We got this Mariners stretch run, and we're going to have special no tables with Churchill and Joe Doyle. I don't know how many we're going to do this week over the last seven days of the Mariners season. We have Around the NFL with former NFL GM Randy Mueller, which I think is probably the best show, not including this one, the best show that we do each week. We've got 256P with Danny O'Neill. I've got Shooting the Shit with Slick. These are all 20, 25, 30-minute shows. The Seahawks no table with Nemhauser and Henderson previewing the Monday night football game against the Giants. There will be plenty in the way of content for patrons, and it all costs you $5 a month. That's it. $5 a month, become a patron. And if you can't afford the $5 a month, you truly can't make it work. 
then you just email me, Mitch, at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I'll take care of you. Beat the boys. Yes. Presented by Fireside Home Solutions. I owe you week four games, and I owe you a password. Okay. Dolphins at Bills. Oh, boy. Someone's loving it. <laughs> 70. I, when was was there a stat the last time a team scored 70 in the NFL? Probably in the Marino days. <laughs> I mean, it looked like Alabama against Austin P or something in week one of the 70. How's that possible? They hung 70 on Russell Wilson's Denver oh, Broncos. Geez. Week four games. You think this is a, a sizable game, a sizable early season matchup? Go on. Dolphins at Bills is game one of yeah. our beat the boys. You That'll think be that, good. You think that's good? Ravens at Browns. Buccaneers at Saints. Those will be the three games that we ask you to pick. The password is, and I had to do it. You're going to be mad. Cougars. I'm not going to be mad. I'm just blown away by them. Yeah, they are incredible. They are really, the, really good. You, people love to talk about UW's weapons on offense, and rightfully so. They got a couple at Wazoo that rival any of those cats at UW, I think. Again, I'll say it. I don't know whether Cameron Ward's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I don't even know if Michael Penix is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. We'll wait and see. Yeah. What I do know for sure is that guy is a great college football quarterback and I heard the coach after the game saying why are we not I, I hear about the USC guy I hear about the Washington guy yeah, yeah. I hear about the Texas guy why isn't our guy in the conversation our guy's playing as well as all of us and he's right yeah. he's right he's right there he Welcome should be to in Pullman, the, buddy he should be in the Heisman talk no doubt he should be in the Heisman conversation all right guests so the password is Cougars okay. guests on this episode 256 Seahawks no table everything that you want to know about the big win for the Seahawks with all those injuries from Brian and Brady Rick Neuheisel on answering the question is Washington potentially Washington Washington State two of the top 10 teams in the country and we're going to welcome back to the show Joe Fan. Oh, really? He's coming back to Mitchell Unfiltered. He missed us that bad? He missed us that bad. And he's going to explain why he's no longer on the Seahawks' no table, why he had to withdraw from that. And he's living and dying with us on every Mariners pitch as well. He's a huge Mariners fan. He'll be holding his breath just like the rest of us over the next seven days. Episode 256 Hotshot presented by Daniels Broiler. Lindsay Schwartz and I are talking appetizers on this show. The bacon-wrapped scallops, the Dungeness crab legs. Yeah, the steaks are the best, but don't sleep on those apps. Gotta love Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza. All the great things going on over there at Zeke's from expansion all the way east to Idaho, down to Portland. Their revamped mobile app, which makes home delivery as simple as ever. Download it and give it a try. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor. Beat the boys. We're in week four coming up this week. Password, Cougars. A thousand bucks from Fireside Home Solutions to the winner of the Beat the Boys competition. Check out new fireplaces, garage doors, FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Challenging times, no doubt. 
in the home financing world, but that's when the cream rises to the top. Jordan Flowers and his Woodenville cross-country team are a phone call away. 425-890-2957. Give Jordan and his cross-country mortgage team a call. This is episode 256, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. If Michigan State is even a six or seven win team and like a marginal bowl team, then what Washington did on Saturday was mighty impressive. Even if they're a six win team, going there and just pounding the hometowners was crazy. Unfiltered. Don't sleep on the Cougs. Nobody, no Husky fan wants to hear this, but I'm, I'm flat out pulling for the Cougs for a lot of reasons. A, I pull for the Cougs anyway. And B, after the way they've been shit on the last several months in college football. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 256, Hot Shot Scott. Huntsville, Alabama. Really? Hello. Huntsville. I'm suspended. <laughs> Decatur, Alabama. Hello. How many marriages did he have? He had like oh, a lot of them. Half a I, dozen, right? I mean, I think I might have even been invited to one of the weddings. Really? No, I don't think <laughs> that would have been awesome. I knew him at one point when he was getting married. He was talking to me about wedding invitations in the uh, elevator. Just nonstop weddings with that guy. Just date him. To see how it goes. You have to get married seven times. Hey, this is Larry King. Mitch Levy isn't in right now. <laughs> yes, it's the Larry King. I'm in all the books. What relationship does Mitch and I have? Old friends, good pals. Oh, that's nice. He did my answer machine. People love that. I remember him doing ads for garlic. Do you remember garlic? <laughs> yeah. It was like, because I guess garlic was supposed to be good for you at one point. So yes, these it was. tablets yeah. called garlic. Garlic. Larry King. Didn't he do garlic. apple? Didn't he do like Welch's? Welch's grape juice. Too. <laughs> yeah, he probably didn't say no to a buck. No. So. <laughs> because he was in debt from all of his gambling losses. That's, that's right. And, and uh, giving away half his shit every two true years. True story. Giants and Washington Redskins. I can't remember what year it was. Yeah. Must have been about 1992, 93. Monday night football. Those games started at 9 o'clock Eastern. I was working the overnight shift at, at Mutual. So the game was ending at about midnight. Sure, yeah. He did his show from like... 11 to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the game on our TV in our sports pit. <laughs> Raul Alegre is, oh, sure, yeah. is getting ready to kick a field goal. And I and I sense that somebody's in there with me. And I look over, it's him. Three and a half, man. Three God. and a half. <laughs> a guy loved to gamble, apparently. <laughs> on marriages and on sports. Episode 256. Talladega, Alabama. Hello. Talladega Nights. You ever I, see- I, I'm assuming it's the same Talladega. I would assume so, yeah. too. Yeah. There's, got to, yeah. there's a raceway there. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. that's it. Yeah. So, here we are. Episode 256. Larry King would be a great guest. It's so sad that he's no longer with us. <laughs> if I can book that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He gets more, t- more plugs on this show for someone who's not alive. All right. Here's my stat. Yes. Michael Penix. Okay. He has played... In four games, correct? Yes. Four games equals 16 quarters, correct? Yes. But he's only played in 12 of them. Makes sense. He has passed for 1,636 yards in those 12 quarters. Okay. So if you'd like to know how many yards per quarter he passes, he's averaging 136.3 yards per quarter. Okay. Over a four-quarter game, 
That's 545 <laughs> yards per game. If they just never took him out, never if took their foot off the gas. If they kept on and, playing, yeah, yeah. he would be averaging 545 yards. Averaging right, right. <laughs> 545 yards per game. How many yards would that be over a 13-game, 12 of the regular season? And let's say one bowl game. I guess they could actually play 14, 12, and then a Pac-12 championship game, and then a bowl game, right? Yeah. Well, playoffs, if they go to playoffs. Yeah, so playoffs over 13 games, right? That's 7,088 yards. I remember when Dan Marino threw for 5,084 in 16 ga- 16 games. It was the greatest of all time, and right. people said like this Penix could throw for 7,088 <laughs> yards if they kept him in all the games. And he's not at some little shit school that's running up the stats. And well, they kind of are over the first four games. But again, I'll go back to what I said. Yeah, the first. He did it the I year before, too, against Pac-12 schools. I don't think it matters yeah. who they're playing. Yeah, we'll see. And if you want to do the same exercise with touchdowns, okay, he's got 16 touchdowns. He's played in 12 quarters. Uh-huh. So he's averaging 1.33 per quarter. If he played in all the games... He would be averaging 5.3 touchdowns a game. And over 13 games, that's 69 touchdown (laughs) passes. That's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what he's doing. And and when I say he, it's not really just he. I mean, it's it's Kalen DeBoer. It's Grubb, the offensive coordinator. It's the wide receivers. It's the pass blocking. I suppose it's the, the opponents, the level of the opponents. And you say the lack of athleticism, maybe lack of athletes of the opponents. I don't know. It's the whole thing wrapped into one. But this is yeah. this is craziness. It is. We're watching just astonishing craziness. And I don't expect it to end anytime soon. I don't know that it'll continue at this rate. No, it won't. Yeah, it won't. Well, I don't think it will. You know, when you're watching USC and Arizona State on Saturday night and you see that DB for USC jump 52 inches in the air for that interception, you're like, USC's got some some athletes. Yeah, Yeah, they have athletes, but I also watched, did did Arizona State score 30 on, Arizona State (laughs) in disarray score 30 on USC? Sure did, yeah. All right, if Arizona State scores 30 on USC, how many is Washington going to put on them? Yeah. You know, you're talking about this big Oregon game, and obviously both teams have to take care of business. It's Stanford and Arizona. But let's just dream a second. Dream. Let's, let's say dream. Wazoo and UW somehow managed to run the table till the very last Apple Cup of oh Pac-12 history. Maybe they'll keep it going. I don't know. But oh my God. the last official Pac-12 Apple Cup, they're both undefeated. Where is it this year? Here. Oh, I mean, forget it, right? Washington State does not play USC this year. Oh, interesting. So they they yeah. get UCLA while Washington plays USC. They both have to play Oregon. Oregon comes here. Washington State goes there. I don't know when I look at Washington State's schedule that I really can close my eyes and see undefeated going into the yeah. Apple Cup, but I could see one, one or two losses and being very highly ranked yep. and looking to spoil the whole oh damn thing. God. The question Amazing. that I have for New Heisel that I'll ask New Heisel is when do we get to the point where Washington can lose a game and still get into the hmm. college football playoff? Or do we think they've got to run the entire team? Because because SEC teams, you know, like Georgia, they're allowed to lose a game. Yes, they are. Right. Alabama's allowed to lose a game and get in. Oh, yeah. Ohio State and Michigan are allowed to lose a game and get in. Let's say Washington beats USC, and let's say they lose to Washington State. Okay. But that gets them still into 
the Pac-12 championship game, and maybe it's a rematch with USC, yeah. and they beat them again. Yeah. Now they've beaten USC twice in this scenario. Yeah, it's true. And they've lost to Washington State once. Who, who we think is going to be a good team, so it's not the worst loss in the world. Not just a good team, a really good team. Right. I guess it depends on what the other teams around the country are doing as well, but at that point, you're like 12-1. and one. You've beaten USC twice. Yeah. You've got a guy who's throwing for 70 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is that good enough to get you into the four, the four-team national playoff? I don't know. After four I games, we're talking playoff scenarios. It's, it's unbelievable. It's. I was just so happy to watch the Huskies go out and not dick around with Cal. No. Just stick it to show them who's boss. Yeah, Cal got a couple touchdowns, but just flex your muscle early. Show them what's what's right in the Pac-12. The and be offense done. didn't even get a chance to dick around. It was fourteen nothing <laughs> before they even went out there to dick around. I know, but it wasn't like thirty-five nothing or something early. It was, or I don't well, know. Well, yeah, they scored. It just felt yeah. out of reach. And you oh did. yeah, totally. I just love that they did. Totally. We talked about you know Cal can be a thorn sometimes. No, that was not the case. They no. just handled them. No. So great. Seattle Mariners. Well, thank you for listening to Mitch Unfiltered. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Seattle on- Mariners. Did they just get swept in Texas after all that to start the 10-game stretch? Did they, did they just get swept? Looks like it. At the same time as the best, shittiest team in the history of professional sports, yeah. the Kansas City Royals, <laughs> yeah. went into Houston and swept the Astros in Houston. Did I, am I dreaming that? Did that really happen? Had the Mariners not gone through that slog of a four-game series with the Royals, I wouldn't believe it. But they play people tough. I, why are they bad? I don't get it. Why does their record suck? I look up, <laughs> and they're 50 games under 500. It's unbelievable. And I think even after winning games, they get more and more under 500. I'm not sure how they do it. <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> yeah, that would be a cool list. The best shitty teams of all time. They got to be right up there. The Seattle Mariners are still only a half game back of the wild card because the Houston Astros couldn't win one against the Kansas City Royals, 50 games under 500. So here we go. Here we go. Can we save them? And when I say we, I mean two sets of people. We being the home crowd. Can the great Seattle sports fans go out? Can we go out over the next seven days and carry them across the finish line? Can we snap them out of it? When they get there on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday against Houston and then on Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday against Texas, can 50,000, 48,000, whatever the number is, can we will them to the finish line? That's the first question. And then the second question is, when I say we, I mean Castillo and Kirby. Yeah. Castillo and Kirby did not pitch in the Rangers series, which means over the next seven games – Castillo and Kirby are both going to pitch twice. Mm. So in four of the seven, they've got their two, presumably their two best pitchers. So can Castillo, Kirby, and us, can we (laughs) rally together and and snap these guys out of it and win just enough to get into the postseason? That's my question. God, I hope so. I think I'm going to be there Monday as this drops. Verlander and Castillo in game one of the series. That's not the worst game to be at in the world. No. A game that really matters. And the last time Verlander pitched against him, I think, was here in the postseason, and they lit him up. They lit him up oh, like a Christmas right. tree. Yeah. And they lit him up, I believe, last year, early in the year here. Hmm. And he has not pitched as well. He's not been the same Verlander. Yeah. He's getting up there Happens in age. to the best of us. He yeah. slowed down a little bit. So you would think with the Castillo on the mound – 
that maybe they can get game one, but they, you know, both teams come in limping, having yep. been swept over the weekend in critical games. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday against the Astros, and then four games against the Rangers. And if you're still wondering about the division, so they're a half game back of the Astros. They're actually, I think, tied in the loss column. Okay. They're tied in the loss column with the Astros with, I think, 68 plus three. It must be 71 losses. If you're still wondering, well, what about the division? Yeah. I am wondering. Well, the Rangers now have a three-game lead because they won all three games. Makes sense. They were tied with the the Mariners in the loss column going into that series, and they have a three-game lead now. And they also own the tiebreaker with the Mariners should both teams tie for the American League I was West. about to ask you. Which is a big thing. It's sad that you've already know that, but... Well, I'm Mr. Playoffs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so how do they win the division? This is the most reasonable way. Okay. They start by either sweeping the Astros, and to do that, they got to win the game with Verlander, and they got to win the game with Valdez at the end of the series. So they either sweep or win two out of the three against... They win a, a minimum of two out of three against the Astros. Okay. I'd recommend a sweep. That'd be nice, yes. If they sweep, they guarantee themselves a chance to play, to control their own destiny. The Rangers will be playing the Angels for three times. Okay. But if the Mariners sweep the Astros, they guarantee no matter what the Rangers do against the Angels in those three games, they guarantee themselves that they control gotcha. their own destiny because they can win all four. Yeah, they'll be down three. They'll be down four three, to go, yeah. four to go, win all four, and you win the American League West because you have to win. Remember, you have to win outright record against the Rangers because they win the tiebreaker. Yeah. If you win two out of three, then the Rangers have to lose one game of those three games to the Angels yep, for you sense. to still have that shot where a sweep brings home the title. If you win all three against the Astros and Texas wins one, then what would the lead be by the Rangers going into the final series? It'd be a one-game lead. One-game lead. Yeah. So then you could go three and one in those four games. You wouldn't have to sweep the yeah, four games. Nice. Yeah. And you'd pick up two games on them and you'd win. I mean, You'd win by yeah. one game. It's just as crappy as Mariner fans feel, and I get it. We're all feeling the same. The fact that they're still in a position to control their destiny, yeah, it's not likely they're going to win the next seven games in a row. Right, but, right. But they still are in that position. They're not out of it. We don't need to be moping around. That's correct. There's still lots of work to do, and the they're in a pretty good position. The conclusion is the Mariners being three down to the Rangers mm -hmm. and the Mariners being two down to the Rangers going into their series – there's no difference between the Mariners being three down to the Rangers going into the series and them being two down because... Because of the tiebreaker? If you're two down, if you go three and one, you lose the tiebreaker. You right. still have to sweep. That's right. So you have to sweep at two down and you have to sweep at three down. Right. So if the Rangers lose one and we sweep the Astros, don't get all excited. It doesn't matter if they lose one and, and because, yeah, the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker. Yeah, they, it kills us. If you sweep the Astros and they lose two... That's different. Now you're one game down, yeah. and you can go three out of four against the Rangers and win the division. Did that all make sense? It did. Is that, is that too? To that might be too complicated. It's just going to be fun. Still, I know like, that if I didn't lose you, no, I didn't yeah. lose everybody no, out that, in the that's audience. That's true. I'm yeah. very, very bright. So it's just too noticing. bad. Did you watch any of the game yeah, on I, Sunday? I tried. Yeah. So they're in the eighth inning, and they've crawled all the way back. They were down a bunch, and they scored a bunch of runs in the seventh to get down one. They're down one.
And they've got Crawford at first base with two outs. And Julio's up with two outs. Here we go. And Julio does exactly what you ask him. Well, what you really asked him was for a home run. Yeah, to hit one out. He didn't hit one out. Fine. But he rips a double with two outs. And you're thinking, okay. Yep. Okay, on contact with two outs. This is like Junior from first on Edgar's double, right? Oh, yeah. Crawford's got, I would say, a little bit above average speed. He's not fast, but he's got above average speed. Above average. average. He's at first and he's going with the crack of the bat because there's two outs. And it's a line drive double to left center. And he hit it so freaking hard. And it got such a good bounce right back to the left fielder that they had to hold Crawford at third. Almost a victim of hitting it too hard. Too hard. Yeah. And a good, easy. I think it hit the bottom of the wall and it rolled right out to the left fielder and he and there was just no way that they could wave. And of course, what happens? They get stranded at second and third. There's the tying run and there's the winning run. Yeah. And they lose and they lose by one. When you're watching games in May and June and July, who gives a shit? It's game twenty two of hundred and sixty two. But when it comes down to the end of the season and you're a playoff team potentially and you need that one extra win, God. that shit matters, you know, during the season. Uh. It's not it's not a nothing. They all matter if you're in it. So seven games, three with Houston, four with Texas. Still a chance for a wild card. I would say still a better than 50-50 chance for a wild card because you have seven games at home and you're only trailing by a half game and you're tied in the loss column. So you're right there. And then there's Toronto that's lingering around there. Yeah, yeah. You can still win a wild card. You can still win the division if you get really hot and you do what you need to do, but we're going to need to ride the fans, <laughs> Castillo, yep. and George Kirby. We're going to have to bring the Mariners home. Do it ourselves. They're going to need it. They're going to need us to lift them up. Every second of the I'm way. I'm sure they're bumming out. They can't believe what just happened. They Three really games. went down and got swept. They got swept. All they had to do was win one, as it turns out, right. and, they're in the, and they're in the wild card. That's and they're right. only... And what? They're only one game right now behind the Rangers. If they just won one out of the three, they'd be one game behind the Rangers in the American League West and ahead of the Astros. One game. One game, yeah. Fuck. I, <laughs> I'm, do you think these are going to be sellouts? <clears throat> oh, yeah, they're all going to be. <clears throat> if they're not sellouts, there's going to be like hundreds of tickets. Oh, yes. Fans are going to be. I've no, already checked. Rabid. I couldn't get seats on my plan on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Yeah. I tried to get seats for the boys. Couldn't do it on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And there were only scattered, like, solo seats available. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's going to be Nuts. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's going to be crazy. I mean, look. That's what I'm saying. Let's not forget how they looked the first half and then some of the season. We could. They were just 500, game over, game under. Right. You and I were like, what the hell? How disappointing is this team? Right, right. All right. So here we are, everybody. This is kind of what you wanted, right? Them to be right in the thick of it. Let's go. Come on out. Support them. Exactly what you say. If we go back to where they were 10 games back. So ugly. And I had offered you seven game homestand. (laughs) And you're tied in the loss column for the wild card. And you're within three of the division leader. And that division leader is ending the year with four games at your place. You would have said. That would be a miracle if that happened. That's right. And now we don't want it. That's right. I mean, yeah, we're we all want no part of it. We're all moping around yes, here. We are moping around. Let's go. Let's go. They're in it, man. And 50,000 are waiting for them. That's exactly right. And Castillo and Kirby are waiting for them. Yep. Let's go. Yep. All right. Seahawks. About once or twice a year, I pull out the, I'm not going to analyze this game card. Do you know what that means? Sure, yeah. That there's a set of extenuating circumstances in and around the game where I decide at least, and maybe I'm just pipe dreaming, 
I'm just going to look at it as to whether it was a win or a loss and not try to draw conclusions from the game. I think when you look at their 10-point win over the Carolina Panthers, we could make ourselves crazy with Andy Dalton throwing for over 300 yards. I didn't know he was in the league still. (laughs) And Carolina being able to move the ball and what the Seahawks were able to do and what they weren't able to do. But you know what? I look at this game, and Carolina had injuries too, a lot of them. Their starting quarterback was out, although I think Seattle probably wins going away if their starting quarterback played. (laughs) I think they got a bad break on that. But I look at this game, and I'm like, two starting tackles out. Their starting right guard out. Their other guard was out for a while with a bad hand, came out of today's game or Sunday's game with a bad hand. So you had for a series, a bunch of possessions, you had four of their five offensive linemen out. You had Will Disley, the tight end, out. You had Tariq Woolen out. Woolen's replacement, Trey Brown, started the game last week's hero, out in the middle of the game, taken out. You had Daryl Taylor in the middle of the game, out. Jordan Brooks was out of the game for a crucial Carolina Uh. touchdown drive to bring him close. So at the end of the day, I just look at this and say, I'm not going to bust my head against the wall and try to say I learned anything or we should worry or we should be encouraged. I'm not going to be encouraged. Good things, bad things. I'm throwing it all out. I'm saying Seattle beat the Carolina Panthers by 10. Let's see what happens next Monday night against the Giants. Right. I'm not going to overanalyze it. We've got... We've got the Seahawks no table. I guess we'll kind of overanalyze it there. But <laughs> not seriously, Please, I'm, just, yeah, I'm not, you know, yeah. th- there were some really good performances in there. I thought Charbonnet looked great. Spoon looked okay. At times he looked okay. Okay, so you saw flashes at least. Absolutely saw flashes. I saw Jaron Reed dominate the game from his uh, interior defensive line position. Good. So there, You got a big sack. I could go through all that, and I'm saying I'm not going through all that, even though I just did. I'm not going through all that. I'm just saying they won the game by 10 at home. They're 2-1. and We all kind of thought that they would be 2-1 and at this stage of the season. We thought that they'd lose in Detroit. We thought they'd beat the Rams and Panthers here. They'd be 2-1 and going into Monday Night Football. It hasn't worked out exactly the way, and they're not playing great football. At season's end, it's not going to matter how they played against the Carolina Panthers. That's right. The only thing that's going to matter is how are they playing at that particular right. point. And that counts that's as a win. That's it all that's going to matter win. at the counts end of the as year. A win. And with all of these guys out, right, right. Tariq Woolen, come on. I know. Your best corner is out. Yeah. And his replacement is out. You're on your third. Now, Michael Jackson is supposed to be better than he was, but you're on your third corner on that side. Yeah. You've got replacement safeties in there. And there's other guys that are beat up and playing. They were on the injury report. You know, Quandre Diggs was beaten up. Jordan Brooks was beaten up. DK Metcalf was beaten up. There are a lot of guys actually that were in the lineup that were questionable going in. So yeah. I'm throwing it all out. Like I'm just it. saying, hey, they won the game, and that's it. And we'll talk about it on the Seahawks note. I was in my car a little bit on Sunday, driving around to Starbucks yeah. and softball, and I I did enjoy Rabel saying, oh, "Great reach around by Michael Jackson there on that play." <laughs> Don't say "reach around by Michael Jackson" ever again, <laughs> oh, please. Geez. Come on, Rabel. I didn't know where you were going. With yeah, that. I just it didn't sound right. I all of a play on the ball. Uh, great reach around by Michael Jackson. I think he calls him Mike Jackson, but <laughs> for some reason when I heard that, I was like, Rabes, no, no, pick another term for him. You took please. me there, didn't you? <laughs> Ibax. 
I enjoy Rabel on the call, though. He's good, man. I'm, the older he gets, the, the, the more I think I'm enjoying him. I don't know if I loved him as much as the knee houses and Calabros, but I'm, I'm a fan. There you go. Reach around by Michael I Jackson. I call off the analysis, <laughs> and where do I end up on Michael Jackson references? <laughs> please, please stop, Rabel. I remember when we actually did a – did we do a poll on the show, on the morning show – on the KJR Morning Show, like years and years ago, who would you rather leave your kid with, Michael Jackson or Mike Tyson? Did we do that? Yeah, uh, I wasn't there if you did, but <laughs> I think we. Who would you hire as a babysitter? Oh, I'm going Mike Tyson all day, probably. Yeah. Well, I'm... back then, I don't know that we knew as much as we know now. Oh, gotcha. So it may have been a little bit more of an even Steven split. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Split right down the middle. All right, three guests, and then the other stuff segment. Hey, look who it is. Lindsay Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler, my favorite steakhouse during the summer and any time of year. How are you, Lindsay? How's everything at Daniel's Broiler? Hey, Mitch, doing great. Yeah, it's summertime. We've been so fortunate to have such beautiful weather, have a beautiful summer, July, August. Yep. That means we get to open all the decks and patios. Busy, busy, busy. So let's keep up this great weather. What I can tell you is that when my buddy, old friend Mark Kalkavecchia comes to town the golfer for the Boeing Classic. He's not even in SeaTac Air. I think he's still on the plane when he texts me, hey, can you help me out with Daniel's Broiler? Can you help me out with Daniel's Broiler? It's a favorite of the golfers that come for the Boeing Classic, isn't it? It really is. A few years ago when Jerry Kelly won, he came into Daniel's to celebrate afterwards, and I was nice. there and saw him and talked to him a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think the word is out. That's the place to go if you win the tournament. Too bad I didn't teach you a little about the game of golf while he was there. Did you meet him? Did he? No tips? Oh, God. That Yeah, <laughs> I, that would be a full-time job. He already has a job. I don't, I don't think he has time for that. Uh, all right, last time you were on, you talked desserts. I want to focus on appetizers this time around. It's a little controversial in the way that I never want to eat too much before the steak arrives, but you have such good appetizers. I'm torn on that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, we, we try to keep them light, so we make that decision easy for you. We don't want to fill you up on the appetizers, but we just try to make them delicious, and I think we've done that. I know that. I know you've talked about the scallops, how you love, love that one. Love the scallops. Yeah, the bacon-wrapped scallops. Yes. They're so good. I think it's something unique that we do. We, we pick the big jumbo scallops. We wrap them in bacon. We put them on the broiler. It's just a really unique flavor. You get the Sambuca butter sauce, serve it on top of crostini. You got good taste. Those are really, really good. How about some of the other appetizers? I know from experience the popcorn shrimp has gone from a, a Levy Boys favorite as their main course to now they just get a couple of orders before their steaks as they eat me out of house and home. What about some of the other appetizers? Yeah, I mean, the popcorn shrimp are awesome. I think really what makes them is the sauce. It comes with two sauces, the yes. sriracha aioli, which is spicy and delicious, and the lemon aioli is really, really good. And yeah, I've told you before, my kids love that too. Even even now they're grown up, they still got to have it. And your favorite is the crab leg? Yeah, I like the crab legs. I mean, the cool thing about it is if you love crab like I do, but you don't like to have to work for it and crack the crab and wear a bib, they're already shelled. We, we take the, the crab legs out of the shell, the big fry leg, which which is the biggest leg on a crab. Right. And uh, we serve that in a Dijon mustard sauce. Yeah, that's been my favorite. I love that so one. So I guess the uh, the moral to the story is, even if you're not in the mood for a big giant steak, you can go to Daniel's, have a drink, and feast on the appetizers and enjoy some of the great views of the Pacific Northwest. We love Daniel's Broiler. World-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. 
Trying to extend the lead. Hand off. Walker. He's in. Touchdown. Fake it. Smith floats it. Caught. Bobo. Touchdown. Offense scored 25 points in the second half. I mean, that's huge. And uh, that's execution. Gina was on fire in the second half, and the guys were all making their plays and all of that. Uh, so I, that's the big stuff, you know, finishing really well, playing 60 minutes, and, and this young team understanding what that feels like and what that takes, and, and uh, as well as playing here. Taco Time Northwest presents the Seahawks No Table in the wake of a 37-27 victory over the pesky Carolina Panthers. The Seahawks are 2-1. Taco Time presents the No Table, always on the lookout for good people who enjoy doing some work, great compensation packages, signing bonuses for restaurant manager positions, Taco Time NW. ESPN.com Seahawks insider Brady Henderson from Lumen Field, Hawk blogger Brian Nemhauser. Brady, I said to Hotshot Scott at the beginning of this podcast that I'm going to try not to draw any conclusions from this game. I'm throwing it out. I'm throwing it out the window because of all the injuries on both sides. It's a Seahawks win. It's a Panthers loss. And it's a futile effort to try to learn anything good or bad with all those guys missing is that a misguided theory or not not totally but i think that you can say that you know they showed some resilience in this game by fighting through all the injuries that they had you know winning it, i wouldn't say in totally imp- impressive fashion because there was a lot of things that they need to clean up out of this game but keep in mind they were missing seven starters just going into this game seven starters six on the inactive list uh, plus Abe Lucas they lost two more starters during the game, Draymond Jones and then Trey Brown, who suffered a concussion. Then they lost Daryl Taylor as well. So that's a lot of of starters, big-time players for them that they didn't have. Carolina also banged up and just not a very good team. But, yeah, you saw them pull away in the second half. And then, yeah, they had guys playing hurt, too, who didn't come out of the game. That's why I'm saying, what do you learn when half your team is either hurt or not playing? You don't I think you learned that they found a way to finish in yeah. this game, which they couldn't okay. do in week one. They did it last week as well, right. but they finished. The Hawk Blogger, are you going to dissect this one this week on all of your different platforms? Are you, are you willing to take Mitchie's theory, let's just throw this out the window and judge them when they're closer to full strength? I think there's some truth to that, but I think it's a little bit of a trap, Mitch. Uh, like, if you really look at this game and you look at where the Seahawks were hurt the most, it was on offense. Like, their offensive line, that was by far the biggest implications for this game. And they put up 37 points and did okay, especially in the second half. The first half was pretty ugly. Defensively, even with all the injuries, I think Reek Woolen is a legitimate injury. Trey Brown certainly was an issue, but I'm not sure that those were the major differences between Adam Thielen having the game he had and Andy Dalton you know, having the game they had uh, based on what we've seen so far this season. So it's possible, but look, I started this season with this statement. This defense has to prove it to me. I'm giving them zero benefit of the doubt. I've given them benefit of the doubt for six, seven years, and they have absolutely not earned it anymore. So mm-hmm. they gave up 
27 points to Andy Dalton and Adam Thielen and that Panthers team, which is one of the worst passing offenses in the NFL. I'm not buying it until I see them actually. But Reek Woolen, you just said it yourself. Reek Woolen, one of the better young corners in the game. If he's in the game on one side and Witherspoon's on the other side, don't you think Thielen's day is not, are you just not prepared to go there? Prove it. Prove it. Okay. I'm not going to okay. fall into this trap of saying that they that every little thing has to be perfect because it never is perfect. So uh, let's see this team do better. I it, thought there were some signs of life, okay. but it, I'm not giving. Brian, is it a pass rush thing or is it a coverage thing? Which one is a bigger problem? Well, which one's a bigger problem today? Yeah. It was. I think it was more coverage. I thought the pass rush today actually was pretty decent. I think we're going to find. Boye Mafe, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Boye Mafe had five, six pressures in this game. I thought he I thought he actually may have Wally Pip Daryl Taylor a bit, who's been rotating in for pass rush plays. I thought he was more effective than Daryl Taylor has been as a pass rusher all season. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, pretty positive. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think that some skepticism is totally deserved for this group, just given how bad they've been at, uh, for, you know, the majority of the past few seasons. I do think it's worth noting that, you know, Carolina threw the ball 58 times today. So the fact that they had 330 plus passing yards, I mean, part of that was Seattle was so strong against the run that they forced Carolina to abandon it. That wasn't the score forcing uh, Carolina to stop running. And I think they only rushed 14 times and two of them were Andy Dalton scrambles. Uh, Remember Carolina led by a point at halftime and it was, they were within 10 points for most of the second half. And I would say briefly led by 17 in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, this was still a game that was within reach and Seattle stopped the run so well that Carolina just went away from it and threw the ball 58 times. So we talked about the run defense last week. I think that is something that they can hang their head on is if he is the pass defense, maybe. I mean, the run defense, look at every other part of Seattle's just game uh, yeah. of Seattle right yeah. now. Yeah. Geno Smith in the passing game, they've been up and down. The run game has been up and down. The pass rush has been hot and cold. Uh, the kicking game has been bad, and then Sunday it was great. The run defense has been the one constant through three games. Go figure. I don't want to tip my taco time hand because a guy like Brian is looking for any kind of tells that he can find. <laughs> you know it. But I, I have to ask, I had it later on in the, in the segment, but I'll ask it now. Jaron Reed I watched Jaron Reed the entire game pushing the center around uh, and causing trouble. And I even tweeted out that, to my eye, he looks better right now to me than he was in his first stint. I don't know how that's possible. He looks like a better football player right now. Maybe it's just through three weeks, Brian than he was the first time around with the Seahawks. He looks really good. I 100% agree with you, Mitch. And it is a surprise. And it, like I remember the season, he had 10 and a half sacks. And everyone's like, oh, this guy had 10 and a half sacks as a defense tackle. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those sacks, everyone remembers, were cleanup sacks where Michael Bennett and other guys were funneling players back, like quarterback back into him. That was Jaron Reed beating his guy. And there was a lot of plays he didn't get the sack on. But you're right. He was pushing people back. So he was... Not to tip my hand, but between him and Devin Witherspoon, those two guys had standout games for this defense. So as critical as I am, it wasn't that I didn't see positives. I thought him and Witherspoon together were really positive. And I put Mafe in that list as well. Did you think Witherspoon was as good as Brian? I mean, he obviously had the, the tackles. 
He's obviously a corner that likes to come up and help in the run game. I think he had 10.5 or 11 tackles to lead the team. He had some good pass defenses. He was beaten on a couple of occasions. He did get lucky on one or two that the ball was was dropped by the receiver. Brady, how'd you feel Devin Witherspoon's second go-around was? I thought it was pretty good. I, I thought that defensive pass interference call was a joke. I, I don't know oh. how that gets called. I mean, that was that was beyond ticky tack, and that's that's two pass interference calls on him in his first two games. That you know, the last one was maybe less borderline, but still borderline. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was just ridiculous. I mean, he was targeted quite a bit in this game. The, uh, the numbers from next gen stats, if you can believe it, and this is actually hard to believe, but they say he was targeted. 17 times on Sunday, which is a whole lot. And does that's that just include? Does that include the um, the the mix up in the backfield on the touchdown throw? Who do we know? Did anybody talk about in the press conference who was at fault? Yeah, was not it sure. It was, was asked, but yeah, Carroll's usually not going to air guys out like that. Um, so no, I'm we not don't sure know. about that. Brian, do you know? know? You have any idea who was the, to blame I, I, on that mix? From up? what I, I can only see the TV copy. It looked like Quandre Diggs, either Quandre Diggs or. Uh, Julian Love um, did not get to the... I, I think it was Quandre Diggs. I think he was supposed to drop back. There was some question that maybe it was the corner on that side. Mike Jackson. It was supposed to be a, a, Mike Jackson. a deep corner. Yeah. So I, it depends on what the play call was. It's hard for me to really know. Okay. I jumped ahead too far without asking you about injuries. I know you don't like talking about them because you don't know much. You know as much as they'll tell you. We've got a growing list. We had a bunch of guys not play. Then Daryl Taylor came out. Damian Lewis came out but came back in. Draymond Jones got hurt. Trey Brown looks like a concussion. He looks like an injury-prone player after the first few years. Uh, what can you tell us about any of the guys that didn't play and any of the, the any of the guys that got hurt? During the yeah, game? in terms of the guys that got hurt, uh, Pete Carroll said with Draymond Jones that his hip tightened up. They don't know the severity of that. With Daryl Taylor, he said uh, he hurt his shin, and, and Carroll mentioned that there's an old injury there, and I – I don't know if he was referring to the big injury that Taylor had that basically kept him out of his rookie season or not, but uh, that is at least slightly concerning to hear that. Now, as Brian said, Boy and Mafe played pretty well, and Taylor might be just a rotational guy behind Mafe at this point. So, But don't know about that one. Don't know how quickly Trey Brown is going to come back from the concussion. Carroll did say pretty unequivocally that Jamal Adams is going to come back this week and play in the Monday night game uh, against the Giants, said uh, Charles Cross and Wollin have a good chance to come back for that game as well. Good. Mitch, just before we got off the, the Witherspoon piece, Brady had said that he was targeted 17 times, and I was curious what the rest of the stats were because you mentioned you mentioned that he gave up a few plays and had these DPIs that were called. I don't know if you guys remember, Richard Sherman had the same thing happen when he started. It took the refs a little bit of time before they understood he was that good of a cornerback. But once they learned his name, that started to change. I'll give you another example, not of what you're saying, but I'll give you a more recent example. In the first two games last year, if you go back, Tariq Woolen got called for pass interference a few times, which I thought were legitimate calls, where he was actually in really good coverage And then at the moment of truth, he got desperate and he made contact. We were on the on the note table those nights saying he didn't have to do that. He was in good. He was he was in perfect spot. He just didn't trust himself at that point. And when that started to go away in weeks four and five and he started to trust where he was on the field, he became a really good player. A little different than your 
a Richard Sherman reference, but yeah, Woolen got go back to the to the numbers. He got flagged several times in the first couple of two, three weeks last year, Brady. Yeah, he did. That's right. And it obviously turned out really well for him. And then just to close the book on Witherspoon's day, again, this is according to Next Gen Stats in terms of who was the nearest defender in coverage. So they obviously don't know what the you know play design is. They don't know who's supposed to be on who. But in terms of just being the nearest guy proximity-wise, yeah. 17 targets, uh, 7 catches, 61 yards, including a touchdown. So I presume that they are counting uh, him as the nearest defender on the coverage bust. And remember, that was a 47-yard touchdown. So... I think we're going to find out that that his coverage numbers are far better than that. And I think we're also going to find out this is not like a Julian Love 13 tackles against Detroit game. Right. Devin Witherspoon had 12 tackles and most of them were not after his guy caught the ball. He was he had I think he had an excellent game. Okay. I think we're going to okay. see that he's okay. going to have had an okay. excellent game. OK, we all the three of us laughed on Thursday's show for the patrons. I asked you guys the question, Brian, is this a good thing or a bad thing for the Seahawks? that the Carolina quarterback was out. I, I think we got the answer on Sunday afternoon, didn't we? It wasn't a good thing that Bryce Young wasn't in there. We did. And, you know, we joked about how much we've been wrong so far this season. We got a couple of things right. Yeah. Andy Dalton being in was not great. Andy Dalton and, Andy, and Adam Thielen together, again, not great for the Seahawks. And then also, I think somewhat related to this, um, we talked about that the, the Seahawks may overestimate the play of their tackles, their offensive tackles against Detroit, and, and maybe put too much on them against a better pass rush from the Panthers. That played out in the first half. That was a big part of this game as the Seahawks asked too much of their tackles in this game, led to a bunch of pass rushes. But the Andy Dalton and Adam Thielen thing, Look, it's it's a joke at this point. You basically, anytime you put in a backup quarterback against the Seahawks, they put up big <laughs> yards. It's just a matter of this defense is not dominant. They're not even average yet. I think they can be, but they haven't proven it. And so this stuff is going to keep being a joke until it's not. Brady, maybe it's time that we start feeling a little bit better on the controversial second-round pick of the Seahawks. When uh, Pete Carroll and John Schneider crossed us all up and picked a running back out of UCLA named Charbonnet, he seemed to pop in week three against the Carolina Panthers, had some really good moments, and he is half of that two-headed monster that Pete really, really wants to have in the running game. Yeah, what was it? Uh, I think nine carries for 46 yards for Charbonnet, had that great run that he finished uh, at the goal line, and you just don't see running backs very often deliver hits like that where they actually send the defender into the air and, and onto his backside. So that is uh, the power that really is his calling card. I, I, I don't know if he does anything like at an elite level, like he's not the a total burner, but he does a lot of things really well. And I think one thing is two things are he runs with a lot of power and he really has great balance through contact and he can also catch the ball. And that's the one thing we really haven't seen yet. I think he was targeted uh, a couple times in this game and didn't really do anything with either of them. But that's one thing that I think is still available for them. And, and with Ken Walker, for that matter, it's yeah. this team, for whatever reason, can't 
do anything with a screen pass. They cannot uh, run a successful screen running back screenplay uh, to save their lives, and yet they can complete you know a 35-yard pass downfield to Ken Walker when he splits out wide. So it's not because they don't have running backs uh, who can catch the ball. It's just there's something with the coordination of their screen yeah. game, yeah. and if they can get that figured out, then I think Charbonnet can be an even bigger part of their offense. And Brian, even though I, I bring up Charbonnet, that's not to – that's not to mute the effort of Kenneth Walker on Sunday against the Panthers. That was a really good performance from Walker all around. It was. It was. And it was nice to see there's a few more instances in this game where Walker hit the hole he was meant to hit and just put his head down and took the yards uh, that he needed to get. That was nice to see. I think that there's a slight difference between Charbonnet and Walker in this regard. Uh, I think I was looking at next-gen stats that the average time – to hit the line of scrimmage, something along those lines, is three seconds for uh, for Kenneth Walker and 3.3, oh, sorry, 3.3 for Kenneth Walker and 3.0 for Charbonnet. Charbonnet is just a more straight line runner. And I think you see that as a really good change of pace and a necessary uh, alter, alteration. Walker in this game, he brings the explosion, and that's what you needed to see. You saw it on the touchdown run at the end. He is now second, I believe, in the NFL in rushing touchdowns with two touchdowns in each of the last two weeks. And he went on one of these benders, you know, one of these heaters, I guess I should say, last year. And let's just hope he can stay on it because the, the Seahawks, if you can believe it, are the number one rushing team by what's called EPA, expected points added in the entire NFL through three weeks without uh, Monday Night Football stats yet in. And that is a balance that I think Walker is is having to make there with his running style. There's a lot of times where I think in, in this game and even over the first three games where he really has done a nice job of making something out of nothing. There was that run in the first quarter that was just looked dead, uh, and then he bounced it out and picked up a few yards. I think, and then plus an extra, he picked up nine yards plus an extra fifteen with the face mask. So he shows an ability to pick up yards that really shouldn't be there on plays that look dead. But I mentioned that's a balance because going back to last season, remember when their run game, you know, was kind of struggling late in the year. That was part of the the word from Pete Carroll was that. He felt like Walker just needed to be a little bit more decisive. Remember, there was that game uh, at Kansas City, I think, on Christmas Eve, where Pete said he kind of got in Walker's face at halftime. And basically, the message was you need to hit the hole harder and be more decisive. So that is kind of a balance that he needs to uh, to find with his rushing style because it can you know lead to some good plays, but also it can lead to some plays where he's just not as decisive as he needs to be. Guys, I think one of the craziest things here, at least from my perspective, the Seahawks offense, this is the fifth best scoring team in the NFL right now. They're averaging 29 points per game. And that's despite missing their, both of their offensive tackles but for all but one quarter. This is with them being the 28th ranked third down offense. Well, right I want to now. talk about that next. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And JSN so far has been a non-factor. So... Like there's reason to believe that this offense could actually be more effective than it's been. Well, and they're already the fifth highest scoring offense, which is kind of wild. Well, I'm going to blow my cover because I said at the beginning of the show, the beginning of the segment and the beginning of the show, that I don't think you should overanalyze this game because so many people were missing on both sides of the ball, Carolina and Seattle. But if somebody said to me, Mitch, or somebody asked me, Mitch, what's the most worrisome thing about the Seahawks right now of everything that you've seen the first three weeks? I'll break it down to one stat. How good are they on third down defense? And how good are they on third down offense? They cannot, again on Sunday, they gave up 10 of 19 on defense 
on third downs to Andy Dalton and a very, very, at the end of the year, the Carolina offense is going to be one of the worst offenses in the National Football League statistically. And they went for 10 for 19 against him on third down. And we've seen what happened in Detroit. And we saw what happened not being able to get off the field against the Rams. And then you counter that with what Brian just said, the 28th offense. How bad was it in the first half? They ended up three for 13. I think they were one for the first nine or 10. They could not convert a third down and were settling for field goal after field goal after field goal. So those comb- the combination, Brady, of those two things is a death sentence. There's no football team in the world, college or pro, that can survive being a terrible defensive team on third down and being a terrible, both together, being a terrible offensive team on third down. Yeah, it is really remarkable that they won this game by 10 points uh, despite that and that they racked up you know, well over 400 yards of offense despite three of, uh, I, I would say three of 12 on third down because the, thir- the final non-conversion was a kneel down. Uh, and they also converted a fourth down. So I, I would okay. call it four of 13, okay. which is still not good no. um, to your point. And so, yeah, it, it's got to change. And, you know, the, the, you figured that Jackson Smith and Jigba offensively would be a huge difference maker for them on third down just because he is you know, a chain mover and a really good slot receiver who that's where you figure that guy is going to make an impact. He hasn't done a lot lately. He really hasn't. No, I think it was only, uh, what, one catch in this game. Now, I do wonder if part of that is you're just seeing them rely more on tight ends because they've got, you know, the tight ends have had to help out the tackles with the backup tackles in there, and maybe that has kind of mitigated his role a little bit. It was one catch uh, for 10 yards on three targets in this game. I'd be interested to see the snap counts when they come out uh, tomorrow morning because I think that might back up that point that they've had to rely more on their tight ends to help out the tackles. And and Brian, Brady speaks to the offensive side. You and I, I know, are on the same page on this. On defense, somebody's going to have to take me to the hospital if I see many more of the third and eight pass over the middle where the guy is wide open 14 yards or 10 yards on third and eight, 14 yards on third and 12, the guy either is a tight end or a receiver who goes up and gets into the middle of the field. They throw the ball to him. He's wide open, and then a safety is late getting there and hits him, and it's a first down. How many t- Between the Rams, the Lions, and then the Panthers, how many times have we seen the middle of the field open on pass plays in the intermediate yardage range. It's happened a lot. You look at the average NFL offense on third and eight, third and long, you're talking low 30 percentile, usually in the 20 percentile in terms of conversions. The Seahawks are probably giving up 40 Fifty percent on some of those plays. Yeah. So it's 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 not sustainable it's at all. It's terrible. And and it's it's like we said at the beginning. It's a combination. They've got to get home more often on the pass rush. I thought the pass rush today was reasonably effective, but I thought that the uh, coverage, you know, it, it just wasn't it, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to hope that the the players coming back healthy help that out. Brady, give me fifteen seconds on the crowd on Sunday. I saw eight false start penalties. Do they still do they still count them on the board? How the Seattle crowd is the loudest and they're the best crowd when it comes to fall or do they don't do that anymore? Certainly eight false start penalties a lot. And there's a lot of people that were there that are telling me 
that was really a loud crowd for a third game against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always hard to tell at the home games just because the press box at Lumen Field is enclosed by, you know, whatever it is, plexiglass, whatever. So a lot of the sound gets muted, and it's hard to tell the difference between one game and the other. Certainly, you have to imagine it was loud, and, and Pete Carroll even said it, it did seem louder than it has been recently. Um, and when they get eight false start penalties, that kind of speaks to that. I don't know how you could deny it. Um, that was the most, according to our great stats department at ESPN, it was the most uh, of any NFL team, thank you, since uh, 2011, when I think the Bears had nine. Okay. And, of course, the second most in the history of Lumen Field behind uh, that game in 2005 when the Giants had 11. So it Very must good. have been loud, even Very if good. I couldn't really tell. Very good. Very good. Taco time players of the game. Brian, you're the newcomer. You get the, the pick of the litter. You can have anybody you want. I'm going to go with Devin Witherspoon. I, I think that that has the biggest implications for this okay. team, not only this year, but over the coming years. This is a pick that <laughs> they couldn't miss. Uh, given all the other things going on, they needed to hit that pick. And I think there's some indications that Devin Witherspoon may be a blue chip corner and might might give them a blue chip corner opposite another blue chip corner. And that could be the foundation of a better defense. And God, guys, we need it. All right, big guy. Then you tell me when we meet again on Thursday for the Friday patron show and I ask you, what did pro football focus grade Devin Witherspoon? Tell me what it's going to be. So I will caveat one thing, which is I have to, I have to, because (laughs) they count it penalties on the grade. And that DPI is absolute trash. That was a trash call. And I think it will still count against him. Okay. I think he will be around 70 in this game because of the great shakes. You're giving the taco time player of the game to the guy who's going to get a 70 on his report card. I needed you as my dad. 45 years ago, for God's sakes. I think it is a very, very good <laughs> second game for Devin Witherspoon. All right. So, okay. Yes, okay. you will see. All right. Taco, so he was doing some work, some taco he time He was work. doing, he was definitely doing you some You getting work. him a burrito or a soft taco? Or I'm a hard have? taco guy. Hard taco. Yeah, Wait, I like okay. the hard tacos. All right. Brady, he's taking Devin Witherspoon. He's left a lot of scraps on the table for you and me. Where are you going? Yeah, and I'm going to take uh, a guy that I know you're not going to take, Mitch, because you uh, hate him personally. <laughs> I know you're uh, going to go. No, I know exactly where you're going to go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Jason Myers. Okay. And look, uh, Jason Myers gets a lot of flack. Oy. And, you know, look, when a kicker misses, that flack is is well-deserved. And okay. he's been uh, – he's had a, he had a rough start to the season over the first two games with some big misses. He went 5-5 five of five in this game to tie a Seahawks – a uh, single game record that was uh, done three times, most recently by Stephen Hauschka uh, in 2011. Hauschka, of course, was on hand uh, in this game as they celebrated the 2013 Super Bowl team. But yeah, five for five plus two PATs. Look, Myers has had a weird Seahawks career so far since he rejoined the team in 2019. It's been. Hold on. I got to look it up. The Mitch Unfiltered Taco Time ground rules let me see if i find something here on kickers Uh-oh, oh okay oh should here i keep it is. going or should it i wait is. for you it's page uh 142 of the mitch unfiltered ground rules on taco time who was doing some work here it is i'll just read it to you a okay. kicker must kick at least one field goal over 50 yards <laughs> to be qualified for a mitch unfiltered ta- he could kick 12 field goals he could go 12 for 12 if he doesn't kick a 50 yarder 
he's not qualified for the Mitch Unfiltered Taco Time doing some work. How about one over 43 yards, Mitch? I mean, this guy's <laughs> Brady's the, you're talking to me about an easy grader. What about this guy? Wait, are, are you sure there's no addendum there to the rule book that says if the total yardage of all the field goals equals like over 130, then okay. he does qualify? Uh, Look, saying. man, five for five is five for five plus I'll the two PATs. Like I was saying, he, he's had a really weird Seahawks career where he, every other year he's great every other year he's not good yeah. uh and you know the game that he had last week that sort of made you wonder okay is is that sort of every other year trend continuing and is and are is he on the downswing now but uh going five for five that okay. uh, should do a lot for his confidence okay okay you could jason myers was doing some work and i'll say what are you sending him a burrito an enchilada what do you got there's no answer. Whatever he wants, man. Okay, Look, I, be my, me, myself, Combo personally, meal. I usually go for the soft taco, beef soft, soft taco, taco but okay. he can get whatever he wants. All right. And that leaves me with I had Charbonnet on my list. I had, uh, I actually had Jason Myers, dare I say it, in case everybody took everybody else. I had him on my list. I'm just going to go with the guy that I, I tipped my uh, hand on earlier. I thought Jaron Reed was really, really good. And I'm not just talking about the marquee plays where he made the sack and he made a big play in the backfield. There's a nondescript play late in the game where they threw the ball out on a screen pass, like a wide receiver screen. You guys probably didn't even see it or remember it. Really late in the game, and the wide receiver on the, uh, on the Panthers made a move. The corner got to him, and all of a sudden, come bolting into the screen was Jaron all the way out at the sideline was Jaron Reed. He was troubling in the, uh, in the run game for the Panthers. He had lots of penetration. Now, maybe you'll tell me, Brian, he was playing against a shitty offensive line he probably was but hey he can only play against the people they put in front of him so uh, I'm gonna give my taco time doing some work award to Jaron Reed who again looks better to me right now than he did when they uh we last saw him as a Seahawk uh several years ago and that's Brian Nemhauser in Portland and Brady Henderson after a 37 to 27 victory for the Seahawks. Thank you, Brady. Yeah, thank you. Brian, we'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it, Mitch. Hey, it's time for a little visit from Zeke's president, Dan Black. How's your summer been, Dan? I feel like you're somewhere different every time I reach out to you. It seems that way probably because I am a lot. The Black <laughs> family's fortunate to have a bunch of great family spots for the summer. And I have been in Seattle a lot, partly for work, but also my favorite thing this summer is that my neighborhood Little League is making uh, a run to the Little League World Series. Ah, uh, Northeast Seattle Little League and Shuey, huh? Yeah, no, I heard you had Shuey on, but you know that he's just riding off the coattails of all of his past. <laughs> great nestle coaches so what they're doing is amazing and sports can be such a great source of community pride and here's a pizza guy that's going to plug another pizza place we've all been down at varlamos watching the games and you know the whole neighborhood's there and everybody's so proud and stuff but yeah what an awesome thing listen in your absence i've talked a lot about the new zeke's pizza app which makes delivery so easy from Zeke's. What's been the response, Dan? Um, the response has been good. All technology has its things and stuff, but when you just look at ratings and adoption, the new app has been a huge improvement over the old app. You know, the other thing that's been improved is just ordering straight online at Zeke'sPizza.com. So between yeah. the app and our online website, digital ordering's never been easier at Zeke's. The customer interfaces are really intuitive and easy to use and does the basic stuff like remember your past orders and stuff. So no, we feel like it's been a really good success. So football season is here 
And uh, you guys over at Zeke's love football season because football season kind of means pizza. What's pigskin 10? We get excited for football season at Zeke's. Yeah, like you say, because, hey, we're football fans. But it is a great pizza season as well. And so you remember when we did March Madness, we did a promo called Hoops 10, which got you $10 off your order. And it was one of the most popular things we've ever done with customers and operators, Zeke's operators. And so we're going to do something similar for football season. And so, yeah, the code pigskin10 is going to be active all football season and on what we call football days. So on Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays, all day, Mm -hmm. pigskin10 will get you $10 off your Zeke's order. There's an order minimum of $30 after the discount, but it's good for delivery. It's good for pickup. It's good for in-house. If you're in-house, you just mention it to a crew member and they'll apply the discount. But yeah, no, Pigskin 10, it's going to be awesome. $10 off your order all football season on football days. That's great. Pigskin 10, enter it on the app or online, or if you go into the store, make sure you mention Pigskin 10 on a football day to your Zeke's Pizza representative. We love Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. New Heisel Time, presented by a Northwest favorite for decades, Taco Time. Always on the lookout for good people who enjoy doing some work. Great compensation packages, signing bonuses for restaurant manager positions. TacoTimeNW.com. Rick Gerald Newheisel Jr. Now, I want to set the record straight, Rick, for all of our listeners before we begin. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yes. New Heisel and I are fighting for clicks. We want clicks. We don't want wins. <laughs> we we don't need wins. We don't need no stinking wins. Who needs wins, New Heisel? <laughs> we need clicks. Can you believe the the uh, firestorm that Deion Sanders oh. has created all over college football? You cannot be neutral when it comes to Deion Sanders. Uh, I mean, you you can't even fire up the opponent team without getting into the <laughs> hostile, you know, waves of of. Uh, Fury that uh, follow oh and God. emanate from Deion Sanders. It's it's a uh, it's a phenomena. It's like a, a tropical depression, right? Yeah, we're having we're, we're going to rename their, <laughs> each game with them is like a hurricane. We got to have a complete new name for it. Oh. It's it's incredible. Wow, there is so much to get to, and you know, I I start with that that funny piece of video in the locker room before of the Oregon coach. We're not fighting for clicks. They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. And I, I'm humored by the cameras in the locker room before the game, <laughs> getting these guys. I couldn't spiel. do it. Could you? I, I was going to ask you, could you do it? Do they have so to? I have, a, does I have he, a great story for you. Does he feel, a great story does he feel like he's got to put on a show that he's got to say something worthy? See, that's exactly where I was, Mitch. They wanted, they came and asked me a couple of times early in my coaching career, can we bring the cameras? I said, no, you can't come in there because people, if I get fired up and I get going, which I'm prone to do, right? I, I like to get guys yeah. revved up, Yeah. but they'll think that I'm playing to the cameras. 
And I, I that's the last thing I'm doing. Matter of fact, it will end up tempering me. I'll temper my language I'll, and it won't be what I want it to be. And so we're now in Hawaii playing in, which, which was the, the last game that I coached for uh, the University of Colorado, the Hawaii Bowl. Yeah, I remember. And ironically, it was the Oahu Bowl that uh, Washington and Air Force played in that was being played at the same time. And Barbara had just called me after those games and invited me to talk about the Washington job. So this was right before it. And we're playing on Christmas Day. And they want to do this, you know, we need cameras in there, coach. I mean, shoot, this is a big deal. Uh, we need them in there. And I said, look, here's what I'll do. You can shoot me, but there's going to be no one else in the locker room. I'll just do it. I'll do a locker room speech by myself. You, you can, you know, do whatever you want to do with noise around. There'll be no players in there. It'll look like I've got players in there, but I'll That's do crazy. that for you because I don't want my players to think I'm doing it for a camera. So I just did a fake one. You did? They took I did you a up fake on that? one. They took you I, up? I, I want to see one, it. Where is it? 100%. <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, we're going to say Mele Kaliki Maka with our headgears. That was my, that was my, that was my signature moment. Oh. <laughs> I said, I can have fun with that someday. I'll tell somebody someday. And, and they aired it. Now I've told. You're telling they me aired they it. aired it as if you were talking to your players. 100%. Oh my God. And my players were not even in there oh i would God. never do it with oh my players my in there all right headlines from the weekend that was in college football I'll, I'll give you three you take them on as you like ohio state's last second touchdown to pull it out over notre dame uh the coach prime bandwagon hits a major bump breaks down on the road at Autzen stadium <laughs> And FSU nips Clemson after a short missed field goal with two minutes left in regulation. I've got others for you, but how about those three for starters? Where do you like well, to start? Let's yeah. not bury the lead. The lead is the uh, Ohio State-Notre Dame game because just two iconic programs uh, under the lights. I mean, it looked like Christmas with the red and the green, right? It was, it was, uh, it was a celebration of college football. It was wonderful. Uh, and the game, the slugfest uh, lived up to the billing. Uh, you'd like to see a little better, you know, quarterback play at times, although Hartman, I thought, was pretty good. But it but it was really a wonderful football game. Uh, fourth down stops on both sides. Really good stuff. At the end, when it comes down to the and making the play on third down to get it inside uh, the first getting the first down, but uh, to the goal line. And then not having enough players on mm, the field. Mm. I, I flash back in my I own know life. You do. I, I know flash you do. back in my own life. Uh, I have had that problem, right? <laughs> and and every and everybody knows that how does it happen? You have eleven. How do you ever get out there with twelve or ten? How does that I mean you play with eleven? What happens is when you call a timeout at that time in the game as uh, in this case, Marcus Freeman did, he brings the whole team over. And when you bring the whole team over, it's as if you're having a conversation in the locker room. And then you announce a personnel group that's going to go back in the game. And it's different than the one that just came out because now you're in goal line, right? 
And somebody, because there were a lot of people in there, didn't hear the deal. And when people scurry away from you, because you're in this big kind of mosh pit, it's hard to count. You just think everybody's out there. And as they go away, you're sitting there trying to get the thing counted, but time is of Ah. the essence and it gets away from you. In the one that happened to us at Michigan, where we had the 12th guy on the field, it was uh, a kid by the name of James Sims, uh, who was brand new. Jimmy Newell hurt his hand. He was getting surgery as this was happening in a in a uh, Michigan hospital. And uh, we were literally trying to get uh, go from dime to nickel which meant take the sixth defensive back out of the game, put another pass rusher in there to get uh, the Michigan quarterback to have to get it out of his hand earlier. And Jimmy and, and uh, James Sims didn't hear the call because Bobby Houck, my, he was now the head coach at Montana was over there schooling him because he's brand new to this. Mm. Here's what this is. Here's what this is. And he didn't hear the call. So we got 12 and they break away from you and Listen, 10's better than 12 because there's no penalty, right? But now that we sit there and we go through the painstaking, you know, did he make it in? And you go, wait a minute, they only have 10 guys. I can see where Marcus Freeman is defending it because they didn't have a timeout. You know, do you run a guy in there and have a penalty? And it's, it was, it's a nightmare and he'll be ruining the day for some time. I can promise you. Which team is better of those two teams, regardless of the outcome? At the end of the day, uh, Ohio State will be the better team. At the end of the day, they're more talented. They've got more weapons offensively, uh, but the quarterback's going to have to come along, and that is the perfect recipe to have him come along. Uh, Let's go to story two. Story two is that uh, great tilt in the ACC, a passing of the torch of sorts. Before you go to story two, I can't let you get out of story one without Lou Holtz calling Ohio State soft <laughs> the previous week. And Ryan, you, you, Mitch Levy and Rick Neuheisel can't go a week without talking about that, can we? Yeah, Ryan Day, listen, <laughs> you, you can understand he's fired up and he's, you know, I mean, he's been oh. swallowing you know what for a long time because yeah. of Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the Georgia loss, he yeah. couldn't get over that one. So, yeah. I mean, this guy's kind of, for a guy who is 34 and 2 in Big Ten play, <laughs> he's been under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. But uh, at day's end, he gets after Lou. And Lou, of course, is going to play to the crowd oh, when he's good. there. Yeah, he's up there, Ryan. Easy up. No one can no one can schmooze a crowd better than Lou Holtz. Okay. I, I Lou Holtz schmooze my mom. Remember the old uh, tournament in Lake Tahoe? Sure. The golf tournament, sure. the celebrity deal. It's where you and I met. You don't know that, but you and I met there. Believe it or not. Th- that's exactly right. You told me this story yeah. before. But yeah, Lou and Holtz and Randy Cross and I were a pairing. Okay, the three of us, and uh, we're in like the seventh or eighth hole. And my mom and dad now come out to meet us and Lou just sweet talks and charms. And my mom was going to leave my dad that moment, just become (laughs) Mrs. Holtz. If she didn't know that there already was somebody in that position, my mom was out. Dick Neuheisel had no chance. And the the sweet, the sweet, (laughs) sultry sounds of Lou Holtz. Literally that's on hole seven on hole eight, an eight-year-old or ask an eight-year-old asked him for his autograph. I thought the guy was going to bite the kid's head off. I've never seen anything like it. I'm going, 
Lou, the guy was eight. The kid was eight. He goes, can't he see I'm playing golf? I'm like, holy smokes. This is like, I thought I was watching The Exorcist. The head turning around. It's like, but Lou is going to play it up for the the Irish. Absolutely going to play it up for the Irish. Okay, story two. Now you're ready for story two. Which one do you want? You want Coach Prime in the bandwagon in Autzen, or do you want FSU Clemson? Which one do you want? I I feel like the Coach Prime in Autzen has been played so many times. No need to play it. We we can. No, no. I mean, it's it's an interesting story and one that we'll continue to follow because he's changing – college football right before our eyes not just because he's got so many transfers but because he's got a television crew following his every move and everybody that plays him gets caught in the vortex of everything's you know publicized and now it becomes you know pop culture rather than just uh, a narrative on a sports show um but the uh the contest in the acc was interesting because it was a passing of the torch uh, for a couple of reasons obviously florida state now controls their own destiny in the uh, ACC. They're off to a great start. couple of huge wins against LSU and now Clemson in Death Valley. But it, it for me, other than Dabo now 0-2 in the ACC and looking like, you know, this might not be a Clemson banner season, it's also a, uh, a, a kind of a think tank on what you want to do with the transfer portal. He's been adamantly against it. He says his transfer portal is my locker room. I go out and I recruit the best players. I, they have to pass a couple of tests, both from skill level and from character level. And we want to raise them in this program and help them become great citizens, not just great football players. Sounds good. And it sounds great. great. <laughs> who, who amongst us would argue with it? Yeah. But right now... You're playing a team, Florida State, that had 15 of their 22 starters were transfers. 15 to 22. The guy who caught the winning touchdown pass, Keon Coleman, had three touchdown catches in the LSU game, caught that touchdown pass right there, had one earlier in the game. Uh, He's from Michigan State. He's a guy that, you know, was basically out there looking for a great NIL deal, which is not the game Dabo wants to play. But if he's going to be playing against those who are, mm-hmm. are the Clemson fans going to stick with this, this, we do it our way, they do it their way mentality. It's really a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. And right now the lean is to the guys who are going and getting guys who are proving it at this level, not just at the high school level. Tell me if it's too soon to ask you this question. We're about three or four weeks in now. You've seen Alabama a few weeks. You saw Ohio State play Notre Dame. You watched uh, Florida State a few different times have big wins. You're getting now, New Heisel's getting now a sense of what those great powers have. And I get Georgia again this week. Georgia Georgia and Auburn on CBS this week. You're getting every week uh, a better and better sense of how much those big Michigan, how much they have. And I'm just asking you a blanket statement. I don't want you to 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 parse out Oregon from Washington from USC. Sure, sure. Just asking you, are you starting to get a sense of whether the Oregons, Washingtons, USC's, Washington states of the Pac-12 are every bit as good or close on a neutral field to the Notre Dames and Ohio states and Florida states and Alabamas and Georgias, or is it too soon? I think it's as close as it's ever been because of the unique skill level that exists in the Pac-12. 
I still think there are advantages in the trenches elsewhere, but from a skill level, because of the unbelievable ability that exists in the Pac-12, they're in this con- they're they're in this conversation. They're in this race. I don't remember any of the previous uh, nine seasons of college football playoff football that are as this wide open going into week five. I agree. Agree. That's why I asked the question. Yep. I agree. Do you have any kind of a feel whether a team like Washington or USC or Oregon, but I'm asking you about Washington because that's where I am. Do you you have a sense of whether a team like Washington can lose a game and still get into the college football playoff? Let's assume a Washington loses a game along the way, maybe to USC, maybe not, and they still end up in the Pac-12 title game and they win that. I mean, obviously it's going to depend upon how many losses does Georgia have? Where's Michigan? Where's Ohio State? Where's Florida? I understand. It obviously heavily depends upon those other teams. But should we feel like they've got to be perfect or not? No. no. I think a one-loss Pac-12 champ is in. Okay. A one-loss Pac-12 champ. And okay. a if it comes down to an undefeated uh, Pac-12 game where the – uh, one loss beats an undefeated. Yeah. I could see two getting in. I really could. Really? Uh, wow. Especially as I see, you know, programs that are basically mortal right now, mm-hmm. not just superhuman. Uh, and Alabama's back in the race. I mean, shoot, that win, everybody on their schedule, save Kentucky, has already lost a game. I mean, they, they, kind of found something in that second half against Ole Miss, not to be, you know, over exaggerated, but they found something and uh, they're back in this thing. Coach Jake Dickert and Washington state went out and, and, and thumped a, a pretty good Oregon state team. Now Oregon state made a game of it at the end, but Jake Dickert after the game did his best. What do I got to do? What do we got to do to get Cam Ward 28 of 34 for 404, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He runs the ball. He's athletic. I keep hearing about the USC guy who's great. I keep hearing about the Washington guy who's great. I keep hearing about the Oregon guy who's great and other guys around the country. What do I have to do to get my guy Cam Ward into the conversation? Rick Neuheisel, talk to Jake Dicker. Consider it done, Jake. He is in the conversation. Conversation. <laughs> Cam Ward was brilliant, brilliant uh, the other night, and he's been brilliant for really much of the time that he's been on the Palouse. He's yeah. been fantastic. Uh, you mentioned the numbers, 28 of 34. He was going to be my taco time guy yeah, doing some be. work. He can still he be. He is my okay. man. All right. Now, if it's right. not too early, it is. I am telling you, Go ahead. the man is doing some work. Okay. Uh, I, I am uh, enthralled with his performance. And how about this? After four games of Washington State football and Washington football, Michael Penix Jr. and Cam Ward are both 74.6% passers. 74.6% passers. They both have three receivers that uh, are having banner years at Washington State. All three of the kids are over 300 yards receiving. All are over 14 yards a catch and all have at least three TDs. At, uh, wa- at that's at Washington State. At Washington, Odunze, Polk, and McMillan all are also over 300 yards. Uh, Odunze is over 500. All have three TDs, and uh, all are over 15 yards a catch. I mean, it's incredible the the versatility of these these uh, crazy, crazy. throwing 
uh, contingents there Crazy. up in the great state of Washington. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, but, but uh, Cam Ward, because he has not been mentioned nearly enough, is my taco time doing some work. So you're man. receiving, you're yes, taking the I'm ball, receiving. and you're yes. calling out Cam Ward as your taco Cam time. Ward. You took him right off my. You're really going to do that? So you're going to make me go down to number two on my list? No, you're not, because I, I have number one still on my list. But before we get there, is Mevis 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 didn't hit another no, sixty-one to beat Memphis? I'm going to give I'm going to give you the obvious Taco Time Athlete of the Week who was doing some work. Her name go is, ahead. Her name is Haley Van Voorhis. The oh, safety from Division you, Three, Shenandoah, you Utah. It out of the park <laughs> right here. The first woman non-kicker to ever play in an NCAA football game did so at 5'6", 145, and she came in with her team leading by 26 and registered a quarterback hurry on the first drive. She blitzed from her safety position from the Plains, Virginia. Haley Van Voorhis was doing some work, and she's my taco time player of the week. How do you like them, their apples? New I want I want to congratulate <laughs> Haley. I want to congratulate Haley's parents because uh, you can imagine yes. the, the conversations that they had to have as she kept taking these steps. But what a cool story. It's what a cool story. story. It's a great story. Uh, wonderful stuff. Now, before as I col- get your... College football always delivers. Yeah, always always delivers. delivers. Before I get your picks, I got to do something that we made routine on a weekly basis. I've got to update the Levy New Heisel Heisman wager. Who's <laughs> yes. going to finish higher? Heisman winner or higher? New Heisel says he'll take Ewers. Quinn Ewers. I've got my guy, Michael Penix. Your guy was 18 of 23 for 293 and a touchdown in a right. route of Baylor. My guy was 19 of 25, 304 and four touchdowns and one interception in three quarters against Cal. Who's higher right now? It doesn't matter who's higher right now, but I just need to know. Where where are we on this right now, New Heisel? I, I like your guy right now. You like I my, think oh, your guy? Uh, I think your guy's uh, nudged ahead. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. because he's getting national recognition, which he deserves, uh-huh. of course. Uh-huh. But, but here comes Oregon. And weeks. Here, weeks. here comes Oklahoma. Oh, I, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to do battle in two weeks. Yes. Uh, and it will be Penix against those Ducks yes. in Seattle. In Seattle. Uh, in just a few weeks. A few and weeks. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be able to have yes, a nice will. conversation following those contests. All right. He gave us Colorado. He went to want to know. And Bob Levy yelled from the heavens, stop. <laughs> just Stop. But he didn't, and he gave us Troy, which we lost with. Uh, and then last week he said Arizona at Stanford. Are you kidding me? 13? Arizona's going to go in there and blow them off the farm. Nobody's even going to go to the game. And what did they do? They won by a single point. So you now find yourself one and two, and now we're digging our way out of a hole. We're now, digging our way I out. don't like digging out of holes, okay? So let's get out of it right now I, and get back to 500. I am taking the Fighting Irish to atone for a game uh, that uh, got away from them at the bitter end. They go to Wallace Wade. They're in Durham, North Carolina, and they dispatch of the Dukies who are feeling their oats. So you're taking Notre Dame... Minus five and a half on the road at Duke as your yes. fourth pick 
my Mitch fourth pick to okay. get us back to level, and then we'll go on a run that will okay uh, leave everybody smiling at taco time. Okay, you do understand that Duke's going to have eleven players on the field against Notre Dame in that game, right? Even though that you're that is <laughs> understood, and my hope is that Marcus Freeman will do as that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there he is, Rick Neuheisel from the great state of Georgia. Believe it or not, we won't go into detail. But he's uh, back with us on Mitch Unfiltered each and every week. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Mitch. It's been a while since we caught up with Jordan Flowers, my main man of the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. How's everything going in Jordan's world? Hey, Mitch, it's going fantastic. I'm uh, chasing old Mitchie in the Manager <laughs> of the Year award for Little League Baseball. How many teams you got over there? You know, I was the manager of two, both my 10 and 8-year-old. Uh-huh. And I got to say... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be giving you a run for your money, Combined man. Combined record? Oh, gosh. We only lost probably six games. Oh, that's six more season. than I lose. I don't lose. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. All right, let's talk about the market, the buying and selling market. It's not easy these days, but it's still doable, especially for home buyers. Give us your analysis, Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, inventory is still a little tight, but better than it was. But we are winning a lot of offers and using that 2-1 buy-down program we've talked about. Tell me about that program. Yes. So basically what we do is we are negotiating with the sellers, getting a price that they want, getting a credit towards uh, closing costs for our buyers. And they use that credit to then temporarily buy down the interest rate for the first two years of the home. So we get through this kind of elevated interest rate period with a 2% lower rate than what market is at. Are people still buying second homes and investment pieces? And what do you have to offer those types of clients? Yeah. People are buying in Arizona, California, Eastern Washington, kind of all over. We're helping people buy second homes and investment properties. We've got a couple great options for the investment property buyer, uh, especially uh, using that debt service underwriting ratio that we've talked about in the past where they don't even need to provide tax returns. Really what we look for is qualifying our buyers off of the cash flow of the property. So it's a great program right now for people looking to pick up investment properties at good prices get an income-producing property. Is there a way to have a best guess of what the next six months or a year look like? Does Jordan Flowers have a crystal ball? <laughs> I thought I had a crystal ball, but you know. <laughs> Is it Ernie Zampezi's story? I'm not going to say when. I'm just going to know it's coming, right? I'm like We're going to get through this and they're coming back down. I think, I think we should expect for the rest of this year rates to maintain in the six percent range. Maybe we see them by the end of the year get back down in the fives, but I will say when they do come back into the low sixes to mid fives, it will again open up floodgates for buyers and for sellers bringing properties on. So there is pent up demand. It's sitting there and it's just we're, we're waiting. Well, I've always loved Jordan Flowers and his team at uh, both companies, not Cross Country Mortgage, the Woodenville office because they're willing to take your phone call and be creative. Think outside the box and to reach you on a phone that doesn't have a full voicemail? Jordan Flowers? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I just got a new phone. Okay. My kids like to tease me that I'm the no upgrader. Okay. I don't upgrade my phone. Okay. I've had the same one for six years. All right. 
And I've now upgraded and I'm setting up the voicemails. Everything's getting Phone number, here. same phone number. Give us the number, please. 425-890-2957 is the best one to reach me on. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage and JFlow, Jordan Flowers. Without guys like him and companies like theirs, where would Mitch Unfiltered be? Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. They took best players available. They checked important boxes of areas of need. So I think they they crushed it on day one. You know, certainly whether or not they were going to take Jalen Carter, I think, was the big question. And, and they ultimately decided to pass on him, which I think is very telling, given how much confidence they have in their building and in their culture and in their program. Our next guest is an old friend who we miss dearly on Mitch Unfiltered. He's the now former member. I never thought I'd say that. Former member of the Seahawks no table. Does he miss the no table as much as the no table misses him? He's living and dying with every Mariners pitch, just like all of us here in the Northwest. Joey Vegas. Joe Fan, back on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Joey? I'm great. I really appreciate the invite. And the answer is yes. I, I certainly <laughs> loved my time on the no table and, and was really sorry to say goodbye to it. It was out of respect for the show and wanting to be an additive um, as best I could. I, I just couldn't do it to the degree in which I used to, given I'm sort of out and about you know, trying to to figure out a new career. And I'm just not in the weeds with the minutia of the Seahawks anymore and, and didn't want to have to fake it. So um, you made a great pick with uh, with Brian, uh, obviously Brady and uh, and and you are, you know, a, a tremendous trio. So I certainly miss all of you and glad to be back. So this is out of respect for the no table. Nobody respects the no table. You'd be the first person that even respects the no table. I don't think so. I think people (laughs) love the no table. I love the no table. And yes, absolutely. I I, I wanted to be a contributing member and not just someone who was there and along for the ride. Yeah, I I couldn't do that for you anymore. So again, yeah, I I respect you and your show too much. That's very nice. That's very nice. Fake it. But we miss you. And I have a, I have a couple of listeners. Their names are fan that keep telling me that they're missing they won't listen to the note table anymore, so I don't know. I, I, no, we're, Becky's we're, we're still of, listening. I promise you that. <laughs> we're kind of out of business. So why don't you tell everybody, because you just vaguely referred to it, that your life has changed, your business has changed. You went down to Vegas to work for WinBet, and now you're doing some other things with your world that don't allow you to to watch and, and and closely scrutinize the Seahawks like you used to. Tell everybody what you're doing and how you're doing. Yeah, I, man, it, we could take up hours. I'm ready. A I've got hours. About how, I've got hours. how life has gone over the last <laughs> two and a half years. Man, it's, it's truly been nuts. And I'm now doing residential real estate in Las Vegas, which right off the top, I will say I really enjoy doing. I like working with people. I like trying to help them solve problems and ultimately help them make a big decision, um, whether to buy or sell a home. I mean, it's a it's a seismic decision, one of the biggest you'll make in your life for a lot of different people. Um, so I, I enjoy it. But um, and the reason why I, I made the big pivot, um, I'll, I'll be fully candid with whatever you want to talk about the next however many minutes you want me on. But um, WinBet got rid of their whole marketing team in the spring. And then as a company, they've now shut down altogether. And if I'm being honest with you, when I, the the second I showed up here, I knew it wasn't a forever thing. Really? Um, Really? Why? How? They weren't investing in the podcast I was doing. 
didn't feel like the company was was super successful. It just every thing I felt and saw was this is for a good time, not a long time. And, you know, I, I think what's hard is I'm not a, really a gambling guy. I like to bet. I think betting on sports is fun. It's fun to talk about, but I'm not someone who wants to tell people what to do. It's just that makes me uncomfortable. That was never going to be who I was, like try to pretend like I'm this sharp, like I'm a nobody who can't predict the future. I just think it's fun. So it wasn't a great fit to begin with, but the reality was after NBC Sports Northwest closed its doors, my options were limited. I got an offer from KJR that, I mean, how, you know, I, I don't, it was peanuts. It was, it wasn't sustainable. And so my plan to stay in Seattle was to host for KJR and to also be the PA announcer for the Kraken. I found out the Kraken were going a different direction. And so it had to be both to get me to stay because the money was that different to come to Vegas and work for WinBet. Mm -hmm. I got a call. We've never talked about this one week into being in Vegas. My furniture hasn't even arrived. And I got a call asking me to re-audition for the Kraken PA job. What? And I told them, you I never was like, told I, me this. I, I was like, I let you know I was because I called them before. And I was like, Hey, I don't mean to press you on a decision, but I need to know now because oh. I have to make a call. And they're like, Hey, we liked your tape, but we're going a different direction. Great. No hard feelings. Totally get it. Wow. I got a call that they wanted me to re-audition. Not that I had the job, but that I, they wanted me to, to come back because you know, the initial pick wasn't ultimately going to work out. Um, and I told them I'm in Vegas. There's nothing I can do. So um, now fast forward, you know, two years and I didn't want to leave Vegas because I, I'm sick of moving and starting fresh and I didn't have other opportunities, um, when the whole win bet thing went down. And so I decided I've, I've got a girl here. Life is good here. I'm going to do a, a full 180. And I got into the real estate world, which <laughs> every other day I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Uh, but that's life. It's been, man, it's been gnarly. I don't want to go on too long. I'll let no, you ask the no, next no, question, no, 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 no. It's been crazy, man. It's been. I, I don't like the to hear the exasperation in your voice. I, you know, I can almost feel across the Zoom and and feel across the microphone that you're uh, that you're battling mentally in 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 Vegas and everything that's happened to you in the last couple of years. For sure, and I don't mean to make this. I want listeners to know I'm not. You know feeling sorry for myself. I mean, everyone gets dealt a hand of cards and everyone deals with their stuff. Mine just happens to be professional turbulence for three straight years. You know, I haven't felt settled in so long, really since the winter of 2021, like from January one onward. I mean, it's just been unsettling and uncomfortable. And now I'm in a role where there's big time upside, but yeah, in the early going, you're sort of trying to survive, do, do and that's you, how I feel right now. Joe, do you wish, do you regret that you had taken the KJR job, the hosting job? No. If you had to do it all over again, would you have taken it? Something daily? Yes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was something daily, and, and do I, I don't, I don't regret it. Oh, um, okay. I love, I genuinely, I mean, everything happens for a reason, and like I said, I, I've got a great girl in my life now. We live together now. Like life-wise, things are great. I really do love Vegas. I love being here. Um, I knew it was a leap of faith coming down here to work for WinBet. I knew I was going to have to figure it out. Um, you know, do I miss sports? Absolutely. Do I think I brought a lot to the table? Yeah, I do, you know, but you just try to keep your emotions positive. You know, there's no sense in feeling sorry for yourself. There's no sense in 
feeling resentful or bitter because those are just empty emotions that get you nowhere. And I've got a new direction in life that I need to commit 110% to, and I'm doing my best to make it work. But yeah, I mean, there's just no doubt that it has been every day is a sort of different side of kind of headspace. And you're just trying to keep yourself plugging forward. I have so many questions and I really uh, appreciate your honesty. This is a different segment than the typical Joe fan, Mitch unfiltered segment, but Hey, it is unfiltered. This is about as unfiltered and as raw as it comes. When you say that win bet didn't work out and they've closed up, there's a lot of people like me who would say, Oh my God, sports, Gambling, sports wagering. I mean, it's a how could win bet W-Y-N-N bet not work out when everybody's making money now as gambling continues to take over the world? What what happened? I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that not everyone's making money. Yeah, obviously not. The the handle numbers are huge. People see, oh, in the month of whatever, there's a billion dollars in handle in New York, which means total amount bet right but that's just the handle that's not factoring in what people won what the user acquisition cost was what the new user promos were what the tax is and what goes to the state of new york in terms of just to to get in the game you have to be licensed there so between the user acquisition cost the the marketing dollars that are burnt on fire um, very few of these companies, uh, if any, are making money right now. I mean, FanDuel and DraftKings have the biggest market share. FanDuel, I think, is number one. But you look at their stock, it's not skyrocketing the way you would think it is. So, And yet I, still I see think- Jamie Foxx, and I see Ben Affleck, and I see Matt, De- I see all the millions and mil- hundreds of millions of dollars at these these places are sinking into marketing campaigns and advertising campaigns. It makes me feel like people are printing money hand over fist, but they're not. Correct. Yeah. Wow. And WinBet turned the marketing hose off first and then ultimately decided wow. it just it's too expensive of a game to get into. We don't want to continue to bleed capital to try to hang around. They were ultimately not enough market share, too far late in the game, zero brand awareness. I mean, all of that. Yeah, it didn't work out. Did you like the job day to day when you were doing it? I love doing the podcast. I mean, this podcast studio at the win is breathtaking. It's incredible. It's an unreal facility. What are they doing with it now? Be there and host a show. What are they doing with it now? (laughs) So Blue Wire is the podcast company who produced my podcast and a partnership with WinBet. They still have a partnership with the win. Again, WinBet and the win, two separate companies. Okay. So they still have got people in there all the time. I love doing it. And I did it with Claudia Bellafato, who now works for uh, Nesson, does a betting show back in Boston. She's a Boston girl. But she was sort of the the pro and I was the Joe. I mean, she loves betting and she loves to be able to say, hey, I think X, Y and Z where I'm like, I'm throwing darts at a wall. And so it was for me, it was just I'm the sports guy on this sports betting podcast. Okay. And so I, I used it as betting as a, a layer of an overall sports conversation. So I enjoy doing that. I enjoy doing it by myself when she left and I did that for like six months before when bet got rid of its contract with, with blue wire. But, it, but again, it, I, it was fun, but I just knew it wasn't, you know, it was for, again, good time, not a long time. There was no marketing. It, the marketing was whoever I could get to listen based on my social channels. And that's just the reality okay. of it. And okay. while I've got a nice little following in yes. Seattle, I want to talk to you about that. I want to yeah. talk to you about that. Yeah. If all goes well, this real estate thing will take off. And this will be your life for the next many years. And it'll be a, a very valuable and worthwhile life business-wise. What about this following? You've got a great 
Twitter following, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. I've always marveled on how interactive it is. You uh, you draw a number of responses. You get back and forth with these people. It's fantastic. Watching you do Twitter is really, really been educational for me because I kind of steal some of your ideas and how you how you go about it. What about that? Do you feel like you need to cultivate that just in case you get back into sports in the back of your mind? Are you thinking, let me keep growing that brand because if real estate is not what I want to do and I get another opportunity in sports and in media, I'll do that. I think it's more, it's just as simple as I enjoy it. I like to share my thoughts and opinions, and I think I can do that as just your casual sports Joe. fan compared yeah. to, yeah. you know, the paid media member. You know, and I think there's still a market for what I have to say. I just think it's fun. There's really no long-term plan there other than I appreciate interacting with people. I enjoy the banter, you know, and sometimes it can be maddening, and I, you know, and... I, you're right. I elicit a number of responses, but you know what? Like, it's cool. Like Twitter's neat. And then like, you know, you have, it is wild. The people who follow your career and still want to hang on for whatever you have to say about whatever, even though I made it very clear, I'm a real estate guy now. And like, that to me is pretty cool. So I do value it as a community that I feel like I've built of people who one respect who I am and what I have to say, but also give a damn and be like, I, I hope all goes well for you. And that's pretty cool as well. I mean, that means a lot from strangers that you've never met to be like, Hey man, I'm rooting for you. Like that's cool. So you've come to grips with the idea that you might not ever be in the sports world again, business wise. I have accepted that for sure. For sure. Um, and it's hard uh, again, yeah. not yeah. to feel sorry for yourself, but I've had one dream since I was five years old playing wiffle ball in the front yard in Bothell announcing my own wiffle ball games, playing by myself. I was going to be a sports broadcaster. And then you start climbing the ladder and feeling like you're you're making it. And then all of a sudden, you're unemployed twice in three years. And there's not really a spot for you anywhere. That's why I ask you the KJR question. No, no. I mean, especially knowing at that point, I didn't have the cracking PA job. Right, right. And knowing that life here, you know, I never would have met my girlfriend. And like, I'm, I'm okay to, to look at stuff like that and say, things are great. I mean, genuinely life is good. It's just been Different. a rough go of it yeah. professionally. And yeah. that's life for a lot of people, but yeah, being unemployed twice in a matter of three years is not, not easy. a fun place to be no matter what, what industry you're in. All right, I'm going to lay down on the couch on my Mariners couch. And I want you to help me out. I need therapy. I need Mariners therapy after a lost weekend in Texas we were all fired up about 10 games in 10 days. They're going to go to Texas. They come off the sweep in Oakland. Everybody's in a flat-footed tie. They can win the division, Joey Vegas. They're going to win the division. And then thud. At the same time, by the way, as the Kansas City Royals, the Kansas City <laughs> effing Royals are sweeping the Astros in Houston. This is like when I used to eat my vegetables that I hated as a kid that my mom would say, eat your vegetables. I would eat, I would eat, I would eat, and I'd look down and they wouldn't go away. I, I never could make a dent in my vegetables. The Royals are 50 games under 500, and yet they win and win and win, and they're a pain in the ass to everybody. And I look up, and they're still like 52 games under 500. It's ridiculous. They are the best shitty team in the history of all professional sports. So help me out now. Seven to go as we record this. Seven, Joey. 
Seven games to go. Three with Houston, four with Texas. The Mariners are tied with Houston in the loss column because both got swept and still only three games behind the Rangers. Help me out here, please. They control their own destiny. And so the reality is their odds are still strong to make the playoffs. They hold the tiebreaker against the Astros. And the the hard thing is they haven't looked like a playoff team at all since the calendar turned to September. So having any faith in that is tough. But then you look at what the Astros have done against the A's in Kansas City lately. It's and you unbelievable. say, all right, well, why, why should they feel more confident when the Mariners have the season series in hand? So, you know, I, I, I really... That's the extent of how I can be positive. The pitching feels out of gas. The bullpen's a mess now. I don't think Scott Service has any sense of what strings to pull when it comes to the the pitching staff. I think the lineup on Saturday was really frustrating when Jared Kelnick gets on base five times, then sits the next day against a lefty. And you're saying, I, okay, I get it. I get why. But also getting on base five times, having a great approach and a couple of at-bats against lefty, it has to mean something for a guy who has a noted track record of being a bit mental. Yes. And up and down yes. confidence-wise. Yes. Why on earth, after yes. getting shut out, is he not in the lineup again on Saturday? Or I guess I have no answers. Know, it's, I have no answers. So I don't know, Mitch. I mean, it's hard to feel so down about a team that controls its own destiny and mathematically looks to be in great shape. Also, at the same time, expecting them to win any games against Houston or Texas the rest of the way feels also like a, you know, just wishful thinking. And then the thing is, I, I said this to Hotshot earlier in this podcast. I said when they were 10 behind in the American League West, not too long ago, they were 10 behind and just sputtering. Remember how long they were around 500, two under, two over, three over, one under, two under, one over. If I had said to you, I'll let you snap your fingers and take you to the seventh game to the end, seven games to the end, and I'll make you tied in the loss column for the wild card and still with a shot to win the American League West and Joey, I'll give you all seven games at home in front of 48,000, 45,000 against the teams that you're trying to catch. You would have said, oh my God, I've died and gone to heaven. I'll take that right now anytime you... And here we are, and yet we're we're crying the blues, aren't we? A hundred percent. Because it, it the holes are just so glaring and obvious and... You want to focus on the here and now, but it doesn't feel like a team that could, even if they they find a way to get in, has a magical run in them, especially given the struggles of, of the pitching staff that was supposed to carry them mm -hmm. into and hopefully through the postseason, however far they could potentially make a run. But you know, you start looking ahead. Gosh, is Scott Service the right guy? I think baseball managers inherently, this is sort of a side, is one of the hardest roles to evaluate from an outside perspective in all of sports. Yeah. And also, like, who are you going to get that's yeah. better? And so we don't have to go down that road. But it's hard not to think about, okay, what do they do with Ty France? Do you need a third baseman? You need at least one corner outfielder, if not two. And you're, you start looking down the list of things that you need to get done. And, gosh, there are still too many holes in this roster to to feel like – this thing's really on the cusp the way you'd like it to be. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Castillo twice, Kirby twice in the last seven. That's the one thing that comes out of the Texas series. Neither one of those guys pitched. So Castillo's been rock solid. Kirby's been a little shaky. But out of the seven games, four of them, if you want to 
You want to go for the gusto in all four or all seven, four of them will be Castillo and Kirby down the stretch. We'll see what happens. Before you go, two last questions. I'll leave the golf question, your golf game question for the end on what this means, the real estate job means to a guy's golf game in Vegas that was blossoming, as I recall. But uh, Seahawks, 2-1. and one. We all kind of thought they'd be 2-1 and one after three games. We just thought they'd beat the Rams, maybe lose to the Lions on their opening night in Detroit, and then come back and beat the Panthers. They are 2-1. and one. Monday night football against the Giants. Got a feel for the Seahawks, 9-8. and eight. Playoff do, team? No? Yes? Doesn't it feel like we spend every year talking about whether the <laughs> offensive line is good enough and they have a pass rush? Yes. Maybe yeah. I should have stayed on the note table because that's all you have to talk about. Hey, don't say that. Our the no, offensive line, no. the injuries, Our note tables and whether are or not fresh. anyone can get to the quarterback. They're new and fresh every week, and we talk about all kinds of different fun. Don't you dare say that, Joe, <laughs> Joey note table. Yeah, I think, I think they're going to be entertaining, albeit maddening, on a week-to-week basis. I just think that's who they're destined to be. If you, if some, you know, like the Lions game is a perfect example. If you can like win a couple more of those games than you lose, you should be a wild card team. I mean, the NFC is so bad, I mean, so bad. Yeah. Like, who's their competition for wild card spots? Like the Packers, Washington, who just got embarrassed in Buffalo today. New Orleans. New Orleans. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. There isn't a team not named yeah. Philadelphia. San Francisco, and gosh, I would have said Dallas going into Sunday, but yeah. they just lost in a, a clunker yeah. to the Cardinals. I would still put Dallas as that like that number three. Right. There isn't another team that, that scares you. No. And so when you're looking at three wild card spots, there's yes. no reason why Seattle shouldn't be able to get one just because everyone else is so much worse. But there's no way they're winning the West. No, not a chance. They're light years worse than the Niners. See, everybody told me that they bridged the gap this offseason between their draft and that San Francisco had a shaky offseason and their quarterback was hurt. And yeah, the Seahawks are closer as we started this. That's what everybody told me. That's what everybody wrote and told me. I was a little bit skeptical, but I, you're telling me they, they were all bullshitting me? Is that what you're saying? I think there's a talent gap and a coaching gap there that is really tough to close. Your golf game. Haven't been playing. Yeah, I mean, I get out very seldom now. Oh. Um, I miss it. <laughs> I miss it for sure. Uh, we've got our member guest at the end of October, and so I've got to start getting back into it and get a couple of range sessions in before that. But uh, otherwise, I'm really trying to to be in full grind estate, mode and make yeah. this real estate thing work. Let me tell you, man, it's, it's really scary to like feel like you might get a little momentum and you have, I've had a couple early wins, but then you don't know where the next paycheck's coming until the next deal right, comes. Right. And so when you come yeah. from a situation where you've been unemployed twice in three years, you do a full pivot, full betting on yourself with no salary. It's all, com- I mean, it's scary situation. I and know. so I I'll, 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 I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's hard not to be like, God, what if I fail at this too? Nah. And, and not, to, not to think that I will and not to say I don't have confidence in myself, but it, it's, it's been a wild run here yeah i mean the i think you just do your best every single day to again keep your emotions constructive and not you know of the nature of taking away from what you're trying to do and i'm gonna have great friends and family and a a girlfriend beside me who's super supportive it's gonna work it's gonna work and you've got a lot of people pulling for you out here including myself 
I quietly pull for you every single day. I know our listeners love you. And just think, if it doesn't work, which we don't have to worry about it because it's going to work. But if it doesn't work, you can always call Billy Walters and Phil, his buddy Phil Mickelson, and become a professional gambler because you're this close to be able to making a uh, a living at the casino making wagers on sports, right? This close. Yeah. This Just close. that close. That close. Uh, we love you, Joey. Thank you. Thank you for being on. And uh, we hope we, we can hear the anguish in your voice. I think I speak I, for the I, listeners. I'm very hopeful. I don't mean to seem too dejected i just hang in there there's no i've always been a a hard on my sleeve kind of guy and there's no sense in guising everything's incredible you know it's like real life happens and like i don't know you know maybe like what i've said was you know someone's having a shit day or a shit week or a shit month and it's just like yeah all you can do is just soldier on and and have confidence in yourself and get through it and i i do a hundred percent without question i'm not defeated i'm not Open invitation. You know, but it's just, it's the reality of life. Life's hard and we all go through it. And this is uh, certainly my story right now. And I appreciate you having me back. It's great to chat with you. Um, certainly miss the no table, miss, miss talking with you a couple times a week, but uh, very kind of you to bring me on and chat. And I hope this wasn't uh, too obnoxious for listeners. And I, no. I hope it doesn't come across like a sob story because it's no. certainly not. It's no. going to be a, it's a great story when it's all said and done. It's all real. There's an open invitation. You're always welcome back anytime you want to be back. If you get to the point in your career where things start to go smoothly and you miss the note table because you respect it so much and you feel like, oh, my God, I have enough time on my hands now to, to be able to watch a little bit more of this. I could do the note table again. All you got to do is text me. And we're here for you, Joey. We'll catch you. Fall backwards. We'll catch you. We'll catch you. I appreciate you. I love you guys. Give me before before you let me go. Give me the KP standings through three games. Well, um, we all missed the the Rams game and we all missed the Lions game. We all missed the green. We haven't hit a green yet. See what happens (laughs) when you leave? We can't hit a freaking green. That little 120 yard par three. We can't. Nobody can put the ball on the green. I'd like to pretend I would have gotten one from you guys there, but I wouldn't have. I would have been wrong on both of them as well, unfortunately, and my wallet Uh, suffered accordingly. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. See you, Mitch. Here we are again with Fireside Home Solutions owner John Waterstrat. How are you, John? Doing great, Mitch. Thank you very much for having me on again. It's nice to have you back. Football season in full swing. That means a few things, like it's time to evaluate your old fireplaces, chilly temperatures around the corner. Question. How do I know if I need a new one? Is it appearance, functionality, or both, John? It's probably a little bit of both. We always talk to people about, hey, how long have you had this fireplace? You know, what's your usage on that? Just taking a look at it. If it just doesn't look like it's doing what you want it to do, call us up. We can have one of our service technicians come out and do mm-hmm. a quick evaluation, give you some recommendations. And if that fireplace is and it just needs to be refreshed, we'll do that for you too. If it needs to be replaced, they'll hook you in with one of our sales staff and we'll We'll get that taken care of for you. Is it a little more complicated if I want to incorporate a fireplace into an area of my home that's never had one? To be honest, yes, I think it's a little harder, but it's not a full remodel. You have to kind of decide on what you want. If you don't have a fireplace and you want to do something freestanding, mm-hmm. have that done in a day. If you want something framed up, be there and kind of be part of your room. We can help you with that. We have contractors that can help you with that. We can look at the fireplaces and see what you would want. And then we can hook you in with the contractors that do the tile and other things. 
things that are available. So I know you want us to come out to one of your showrooms. I'd like to know about the reaction to that newly remodeled Bellevue location, John. Yeah, it's been great. It's been uh, inspiring for all of us. Uh, I love people to walk in and see that first fireplace we have in there. It's a fireplace that has glass on all four sides. It's almost like a floating fireplace. Wow. You be wowed by it. But uh, yeah, just come on in and be inspired and you yeah. could be a kid in a candy store. <laughs> John Waterstrat Fireside Home Solutions, just a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered and the presenting partner of our fourth annual Beat the Boys competition this football season. Where would we be without John and FiresideHomeSolutions.com? Hey, look who it is. Katie Versio, the Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. The market's up. How's everything at Evergreen? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everything here is going well. How are you doing? Everybody is good here. I'm ready for the new trivia quiz. The theme today is what? Today we're doing a economic and market update. I'm revisiting some of the questions we discussed at this time last year and just seeing how things have changed. Questions that I undoubtedly missed at this time last year. I'll try to get some answers right and I'm ready for question number one from Evergreen Golf Call. So the Federal Reserve started increasing interest rates in March of 2022 in an effort to cool inflation and slow down the economy without tipping us into a recession. How many times has the Fed raised rates since March of 2022? Is it seven times, nine times, or 11? It's a lot. I'm throwing seven out. It's either nine or 11. 11 sounds extremely high. I'm going to go nine. So it actually is 11 times. So the Fed has the fastest tightening cycle on record where interest rates have increased significantly. Now we see the two year Treasury around 4.8 percent. So while we don't know what will happen moving forward, if they're going to raise again, if they'll pause or if they'll cut, we think now is a good time to lock in yields on fixed income. And of course, Mitch is in a familiar spot. Oh, for one, I'm ready for question number two. Okay, so in June of 2022, the inflation rate was 9.1 percent, the highest rate in four decades. What's the current inflation rate as of June 2023? Is it 3%, 4%, or 5%? Well, it's way down, but I don't think it's down to 3 so I'll go 4% B again. It's actually 3%. So inflation has come down significantly over the last 12 months. In addition, unemployment has stayed low under 4%. Right now it's under 3.6%. What they've been doing appears to have had some effect on these markers. And there I am at 0 for 2. I'm probably staring at another 0% in the face. I'm ready for question number three. Have a little mercy on me, would you please, Katie? All right, I'm giving you an easy one this time. So it's a true or false. Okay. Both stocks and bonds are up in 2023. Absolutely true. I'm going to get one right, Katie. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. Stocks are up 19% and bonds are up a little over 2%. So this is following the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio that I know we've talked about in the past. So it's been a strong start in the first half of the year. All the ups and downs over the last many years make this a great time to learn more about my partner, Evergreen Golf Call, a one-stop shop for all of your investment needs. Learn about them at evergreengk.com. Unfiltered. Episode 
episode 256. Other stuff segment, would you like to begin or do you want me to begin? And the Super Bowl. Do you want to receive or do you want to kick? I'm going to receive. Okay. And the Super Bowl halftime winner is... No Halftime winner? Yeah, who's going to perform at the Who, Super Bowl? We already know. They announced it, buddy. I'm on top of shit. I'm a sports guy. I know all the sports stuff. What the hell have you been doing around here? Tell me it's not the special guest of the Kansas City Chiefs in today's game. <laughs> I Who's have that, that too. She's in the. You saw uh, her in the box uh, 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 with uh, the Chiefs. Uh, uh, I, I am. A, I am so done. <laughs> I'm kind of done I'm with so, them. I'm so annoyed with the whole thing. I don't like Travis Kelsey anymore. I mean, are they just I'm everywhere? In I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm jealous too. I'm, I'm, I, I'm yeah. totally done. Yeah. The way he. Pined for, said she she didn't take his uh, his uh, friendship bracelet. Yeah, remember that? Uh, now he's dating her. He's and the, young I, I and can't, rich. I and can't, I can't, after every catch, we're <laughs> seeing her up in the booth. I'm done. I am totally done yeah. on Travis Kelsey and and Swift. Is it Swifty? No, I think oh, she's no. probably too big for that. I, I too big to for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Anybody is? Too, I didn't think anybody was too big for the Super Bowl. How could you be too big for the Super Bowl? Yeah, maybe not. But I mean, she just came off that tour. She ain't giving it away for free. I mean, come on, man. Okay. Yeah, you're going to have to so pay, pay money. His name is Usher, also known oh. as Usher. You like Usher? You big Usher guy? I happen to be a fan. I'm a. He was right in my is Cube 90. Is he still around? I mean, <laughs> does he do anything? He's still around. I mean, he's 44 years old. No, I mean, does he? is he still popular? Um, well, pop music passes people by. It's, it, everyone gets passed by. He's probably a little old. He's not making hit records anymore, but right. he's got a shit ton of hits. So I, I can live with Usher. I think it's a good I'm it. sure a lot of people won't love it, but that's who your Super Bowl Any have Any special come. guests? Those have not been announced yet. But Rihanna didn't have any, right? She was just by herself, I think, the whole time. I don't know. So who knows? Anyway, that is your... Halftime Super Bowl performer at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas in Usher. February. Yes. Just another halftime that I will ignore. <laughs> really? Just another halftime ah. that I will bitch and moan last too long. It is not real football. I'll probably time it when it starts. Yeah. Although I'll probably be there at the Super Bowl this year. Why? Really? They scored 70 today. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know about that. Have you bought your tickets yet? No. <laughs> No, but uh, I might have looked into hotels. <laughs> really? Oh, God, you're such a nerd. I love it. Oh, God. God, I haven't had anything to root for with that team in years. What are you, what are you depriving me for? Let's say Let they... me get excited. They scored 70 on Sunday. So if they go to the 70. Super Bowl, you're in, right? You have to go. Oh, no? I, I can't imagine that I wouldn't go, but maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I'd stay home with the kids. Am I going to take the whole family? That's going to cause... Cost the house, help them sell the house for God's sake. <laughs> That's what you're worried about. Yeah. Once every forty years, they go to the Super Bowl. I would think that I'd have to go. Don't you think? Would your your brother my brother fans? Would, my brother would. I mean, he's a season ticket holder. He's going to definitely go. Yeah. So you go. have to. He'll go. find a way in. Maybe he can get me in with him. I don't know. Are we really talking about the Super Bowl? <laughs> yes, and the Dolphins in it. Oh my God, they're exciting. Anyway, um, so I'm watching the TV. I'm watching. I got ESPN on. One of the days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and across the bottom line comes a news story. You know, you watch the bottom line. And a little ticker? News, yeah, the ticker yeah. comes across. This became news. Mickelson decides not to wager on football. <laughs> That's news? Are we really going Gosh. there? Six-time major champion Phil Mickelson said he isn't wagering on football games this season as he continues to recover from a gambling addiction, Scott. Mickelson's statement on social media Monday comes about a month after professional gambler Billy Walters alleged in a book that Mickelson bet more than $1 billion, B, $1 billion on football, basketball, and baseball over the 30 years. Mickelson wrote, quote, 
Most of you will enjoy this football season with moderation while having lots of fun and entertainment. The fantasy leagues will provide banter amongst friends and money won or lost betting won't affect you. I won't be betting this year because I crossed the line of moderation and into addiction, which isn't any fun at all. The money wasn't ever the issue since our financial security has never been threatened, but I was so distracted that I wasn't able to be present with the ones that I love and I caused a lot of harm. This lack of presence has been so hurtful. So Phil Mickelson makes a major announcement that he's not wagering on football this year. That's the big news. Had that book not come out, would he be wagering on football? Or is he only <sighs> contrite because he sort of good got question. busted? That's a good question. Yeah. It seems like he's just been outed and now he's... Who gives a shit if he's betting on football or not? That's the point. Who cares? Well, he obviously cares. Well, yes, but do we? Or does he only care because the book came out and now people That's know? That's what I'm wondering, yes. Don't if know. He's, yeah. Buffalo Bills fan... Scott found at a construction site after the home opener. Have you seen this story? No. An unidentified football fan hotshot who was naked and covered in human excrement. Not good. Was discovered at a construction site hole near the Buffalo Bills home opener last Sunday. The extent of his injuries was a cut on his forehead. <laughs> Those guys know how to party. Those Bills fans. Mafia is well regarded as one of the greatest American sports fan bases. Jeez. They're rowdy, unpredictable, passionate, and yet humble enough to keep out of other fan bases' doghouses. He was uh, rescued, and he's cleaned up, and he's okay. How does one get naked and end up, where was he again? In a construction hole covered oh. in human excrement. <laughs> what? Just Does that guy remember any plays from the third quarter? No, 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 no. We've all been there. We've all overdone oh. it in a game. Never ended up like that. But wow, he's uh. asking for tetanus walking around that place. <laughs> Feces on you. Good oh, Lord. God. Disgusting. Oh. All right. You see the story about the couple who is suing Singapore Airlines? No. Well, they sat next to a bulldog whose flatulence blew them out all the way from Paris to Singapore. Oh, my God. The farts were so bad. Oh. They eventually surrendered their first-class seats and moved back to coach. That's how bad this dog's farts were. The couple says the gas was only half the battle because they also had to contend with the bulldog loudly snorting. Now, they were determined to get something for their troubles, and after several months of negotiations... They're getting a $1,400 refund because this dog wouldn't stop passing gas. Oh, my They God. said they're going to donate the money, blah, blah, blah. But I had an 82-pound English bulldog. You did. And the struggle is real. Oh. They will blow you out of your house. <laughs> I literally had to go to the <laughs> okay, vet. I, I had to go to the vet to overpay for this cockamamie food that was a oh, hyperallergenic yeah. or some shit. The only one that didn't like destroy him. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it's, and then the snorting and the, the snorting and snoring. It's, uh, so I am kind of sympathetic to this couple. The, the plane could have gone down. Those bulldogs are. Why is the bulldog on the plane? Well, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I thought guess. at a certain weight, you're not allowed to have a dog on a plane. No, I don't. Yeah, maybe. Can maybe. I bring Misty on a plane to Florida? You know, people are always getting those fake cockamamie oh. service dog things from their doctor. Fudging a little fudging. bit, yeah. So maybe that oh. was the case. I don't know. I thought I couldn't take Misty on the plane. Well, people try to bring all kinds of shit on planes now. They've completely 
abusing the whole animal, whatever mm. it's called, thing to help you relax. But anyway. Last week, I asked you if you'd give Shohei Otani $40 million a season to come to the Mariners yep. during the off year. And you said, not if it's going to cost me my pitchers down the line. I asked you, right, yeah. what if it costs you, let's say, Gilbert or Kirby when they start coming for big contracts in a year or That's two? That's right. If we said, can't afford them, then yeah, forget it. Los Angeles Angels star Shohei Otani had elbow surgery this past Tuesday. His doctor says he expects the two-way star to be available as a hitter on opening day next season mm. and can return to the mound around 2025. 2025? Otani uh, tore the ulnar, <laughs> yeah. ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow on August the 23rd, ending God. his pitching season. He continued to bat as a batter September the 3rd through September the 3rd. So no pitching for the team that pays Otani during the offseason next year, at least next year. We'll worry about 2025 when it comes. What's the size of the hole his agent has in his office that he punched with his fist when he heard that Otani can no longer pitch? His agent's like, what the why we were all going to be set for life what the hell oh if he never pitches again he's going to be some crazy like urban legend that 100 years from now they talk about how he could have been the greatest player who ever lived he'll probably still be a good hitter maybe all of famer but... why didn't the agent call the doctor and say now listen doc you're gonna say <laughs> yeah that he's gonna be good to go next year right. on the map. Don't you dare say anything about 2025. I don't want to hear 2025 out of your mouth. <laughs> doctor better watch his back when he walks to his don't car. Don't you dare. I know. 2025. 2025. Good Lord. 2020. Well, next year is 2024. Yeah, I'm familiar with how that works. Okay, so yes. 2025. Yeah, but a whole a season? A whole season. God. It's too bad, man. It's really too But That doctor who said that oh. is going to end up at the bottom of a river I with know. cement shoes on. Be careful, buddy. Yep. You should have never said that. Listen for ticking sounds under your car when you come out at night. All right, you know Bob Ross? You know that the, the painter? Of course, the painter, yeah, with the frizzy hair. Are you a fan? Isn't there a movie out with uh, yeah, yeah. one of the Wilson bo boys? Documentaries, yes. movies. For some reason, everyone I just... thought Luke Wilson or one of the Wilsons played Bob Ross in a movie. Did it never come out? No, I, I feel like I watched it. I'm sure okay. it did. Okay. Anyway, yes. a, a piece of his art is going up for sale. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. You did? Yeah. Four decades after it was made, and it ain't going to come cheap. His painting is titled A Walk in the Woods. Sounds pretty generic. He painted it on his first, first show. ever episode on the show. Five million? 5.3 million? The show was called Joy of Painting, where many first discovered his talent. Well, it's got his signature at the bottom corner, so it's yeah. listed on Modern Artifact for right. $9,850,000. Let's, Let's go. Christ. Let's People go. interested can make an offer if they like, but it looks like it's going to sell in that ballpark, given its significance. But God. People, who has it? It was, I mean, it was like a public access show. He probably just said, here, you want this? I'm not going to hang it up, and someone's going to cash it in. All right, I got a couple more that I'll go through fast. Okay. Remember uh, former NFL player Adam Pacman Jones? Oh, yeah. Arrested. What? That's not the Pacman Jones I remember. Yes, it is. Video from TMZ has emerged, shows the former NFL cornerback arrested Monday at Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport, <laughs> getting testy with police and shouting at them. 39-year-old Adam Pacman Jones charged with alcohol intoxication, disorderly conduct, and terroristic threatening yeah. after he reportedly argued with airplane employees over 
the USB ports near his seat oh, on God. the flight. <laughs> you know what? Was he just trying to find a new seat that had a working USB port or something? <laughs> God. Oh, anything with flights now, you can't even like look crossways at anyone who works for but the airlines. I think it was a good reason that he'd all be all fired up. It was a USB port, yeah. really? Look, Charge you, your phone before uh, you get to the airport. But you, you but you say to yourself, look, it's at 10% now. When I'm on the plane, there's chargers. <laughs> at, lousy with chargers. Oh, they're everywhere. Does that mean that you should yell terroristic <laughs> threats? No, it does not. Okay. But I get it. I'd be bummed too. Katy Perry's in the news. Oh, she is. She just sold the rights to her music, the entire catalog, including wow. such hits as Teenage Dream, Hot and Cold, California Girls. I saw her in concert in Las Vegas. You did? I did, not On too purpose? long ago. On purpose, not by accident. Okay. Uh, would you like to guess? You know these stories about like Michael Jackson and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Didn't Springsteen just do it? Yep. They sell their entire music catalog yeah. to a big Cash company. It in. Bieber Cash did it. Yeah. You want to take a guess? Oh, Katy my Perry. Gosh. Uh, Fifty million, two hundred and twenty-five million dollars, a purchase by Litmus Music, co-founded by former Capitol Records president Dan McCarroll. Katy Perry is a creative visionary who has made a major impact across music, blah, TV, blah, film, and visionary. Calm down, philanthropy. I'm so honored to be partnered with her again to help Litmus manage her incredible repertoire. Okay. It's she's got some hits. It's good. I'm just glad I'm not her agent. I was gonna take fifty million. We could have got two twenty-five. Holy shit. I suck at being an agent. Halle Berry is mad at Drake. Uh oh, here we go. Oh yeah. Okay. I don't think you want to get on Halle Berry's bad side. I she feel that to way yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Was she with David Justice at one point? Yes, she sure was. I feel like that got ugly I, and yeah, contentious. I love Halle Berry. Oh, who doesn't? I mean, forget it. God. Yeah. I know. Uh, Monsters Ball. Is that the name of the movie? With uh, Billy Bob Thornton? Absolutely. Yeah, that scene did a lot for a lot of us. I don't know what scene you're talking about. Sure, I did. Uh, Halle yes. Berry has some thoughts about Drake's latest single. Okay. On Friday, the Grammy-winning rapper released a new track ahead of his upcoming album for All the Dogs, a collaboration with SZA. Slime. Ja. I don't huh? think they're called I don't SZA. Know. Yeah, I don't ZA. know. Slime You Out features a very familiar face on its cover, partially hidden by Nickelodeon's signature green slime. It's a photo of Halle Berry getting slimed at the 2012 Kids Choice Awards. Yeah. And based on Berry's reaction, she isn't thrilled that she made the cover. None too pleased. She wrote, sometimes you have to be the bigger guy, even if you're a woman. <laughs> Didn't get my permission. Totally not cool. I thought better of him. When people you admire disappoint you, you have to be the bigger person and move on. She said she will not sue him. But she's very, very disappointed against her wishes. He uh, put the picture of her in 2012 with slime all yeah. over on the cover. That stings. Those, those words kind of sting a little bit. The whole the slime or the words? The wor uh, disappointed. I don't want Halle Berry being disappointed in no. me. I mean, she would be if she knew me, but no. I wouldn't want that. She should have just talk to him collaborate yes. hey yes look, i'll take 10 cents an album i'll take something you got to pay <laughs> me for something give it her 10 cents an album no controversy over the new season of dancing with the stars do you watch dancing with the stars can't stand it but i know uh there's a famous sibling on there who is that britney spears sibling i think is doing jamie lynn the upcoming one yeah, season 32 her, yeah well there's that she's not the controversial figure okay the controversial figure is a sports star or a former sports star Amongst others, Adrian Peterson is oh. being spotlighted as one of the contestants on 
Dancing with the Stars, and former dancers are not happy. Yeah. In 2014, he was charged with felony child abuse, ultimately pleaded no contest, and landed a reduced charge of misdemeanor reckless assault. In 2022, he was arrested again on suspicion of domestic violence. Those charges were dropped. One former dancer said, quote, there's one person that I'd like to share that I'm really shocked is on there, and that's Adrian Peterson, the football player. The man has been charged with child abuse of his four-year-old son yeah. in the way that he punishes him, and that's just devastating for me. I'm telling you right now, if I walked into a room and that my partner was Adrian Peterson, I would turn around and walk right out. There is no way, wow. being a mother, that I would be able to stomach that. Wow. So are they going to replace him? or is it- He's on the show. I think it may have already been. I don't know. Has it been recorded already? And then it's. I don't know. He's on the show. I don't think there's going back now. They're going back now. I remember that story was horrendous about the switch and the bare bottom. Yes, he was here for a while, wasn't he? Weird that he was then a he, Seahawk, right? They all end up Seahawks. Yeah, at don't some they? point. Franco Harris, the yeah, whole crew. Jerry Rice. Yeah, for some they, all, reason. they all end up Patrick Seahawks. Ewing was a Sonic. What was the guy's name from the Colts? The running back from the Colts? Edron James. Yeah, he was a Seahawks. That's right. He was. <laughs> they always give it the at the end of there when they have nothing one left. One last shot. Gee, thanks, Seahawks. Hey, let's go to Seattle. We can get a paycheck. Yeah, right. They're dumb enough. They're to suckers. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with her. The, this, if you read that story back when it happened, it yeah. was. Heartbreaking. It almost makes me feel like that ABC is trying to pull sports fans in. Let us put a big sports star on maybe. there, and maybe sports fans will watch a show that normally is only watched by adult women. Yeah. But again, Adrian Peterson. There are there are a billion athletes yeah. that would attract a sports audience more than Adrian Peterson. I think they have trouble getting it's it's. They call it Dancing with the Stars. It's not really yeah. truth in advertising. I mean, Britney Spears' sister is hardly a star, right? Adrian, I think they have trouble getting people. But yeah, this is kind of an odd choice. Like, it's, even if you land him, are you going to really pull in? No, Are you and I running for no, the remote? No, <laughs> I mean, no. God. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right that they just don't know he's just a football player. And we're, I, I was told to book a football player and I did. Whoops. Sorry about that. <laughs> Wish I had the internet. <laughs> all right. The national nightmare is over. I know you guys were all worried just four months after announcing that the hot dog shaped wiener mobile was changing its name to Frank Mobile. Oh. The distinctive wiener on wheels is reverting to the original name. It's going to stay the wiener mobile. I know you were all worried about it. Oscar Mayer, which has several of the vehicles announced on Instagram. The Frank Mobile is toast. Yep. The wiener mobile rides again. Rides again. You may all sleep let's, now. Let's You're go. welcome. Let's go. <laughs> Do you have any RIPs before headlines? Weirdly, I don't. And that makes me feel like I missed somebody. I got a couple. It's, uh, I don't know the names. I thought maybe you would. Well, you don't know the first one. I don't know. Nick Kerdiles, a former hockey player who was engaged to the reality TV star Savannah Chrisley was killed in a motorcycle crash in Nashville early Ooh. on Saturday morning. I know the Chrisleys. I think you do. They're in prison, or at least the, the I don't know who that is. The main guy is twenty nine years old. I think Ugh. the preliminary investigation showed he traveled through a stop sign and struck the driver's side of a BMW. Ugh. The SUV driver stopped immediately. There were no signs of impairment for either driver. Police said no charges are anticipated. Just a horrible accident. And the music industry is mourning the loss of Mike Henderson, a Grammy-winning American country music veteran and songwriter who passed away at the age of 70, best known for his collaboration with Chris Stapleton on the hit song Broken Halos, which earned both of them a Grammy Award. Henderson was 
as I said, 70 years old. Rest in peace. People yes. love that Chris Stapleton. Love him. Very popular. Huge. Did the national anthem, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. yeah. He's Much big bigger time. than Usher. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Headlines. <laughs> a poker player who drew donations for the World Series of Poker event lied about dying from yeah, cancer. Was, yeah. So what you may call a lie, <laughs> I call a bluff. Saw that coming, did you? People are just now finding out about an indigenous tribe in South Africa where the women offer sex to visitors and bathing is forbidden by the women. So let's see. Free sex, but they can't bathe. Thanks. I'm kind of torn. I'm not sure which way to go on that one. Sports Illustrated model and golf enthusiast Stephanie Mee makes a killing on OnlyFans and claims that fans beg her to buy her pubic hair, of which she has none because of laser removal. So sadly, it looks like these poor fellows are going to have to learn how to beat around the bush. And finally, nearly two dozen seagulls ended up being stuck in a vat of used cooking oil on the back of a truck. We'll take it from here, said officials from KFC. I mean, they're already in the oil. Like, it's perfect. Uh, Throw them right in. No one will know the difference. Okay. Go, M's. M's for seven games. Let's forget what happened in Texas. Yep, moving let's on. go out and take care of business, and let's will them to victory to the T-Mobile Park crowd and to Castillo and yep. to Kirby. Let's go. Right. Seven games. Moving on. Washington, Arizona. <sighs> Oregon at Stanford. Then a bye. And then October the 14th right here. And the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football in New York against the Giants. Episode 256, ladies and gentlemen, in the books.